Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Sort of collusion. Trump, Russian, possible collusion. Trump, Russian, metal collusion. Trump, Russia, possible collusion. Trump, Russian, potentially collusion. Trump, Russia, possible collusion. Trump, Russian, possible collusion. Trump, Russian, collusion. Trump, Russia, Russian collusion. Trump, Russia, possible collusion. Trump, Russian, possible collusion. Russian, Russian, Russian collusion. Trump, Russian, possible collusion. Trump, Russian, possible collusion. Trump, Russian collusion. Russian collusion with the Russians. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 26th of March, year of our Lord, 2019. Yeah, today's show is about the Russian investigation. What an interesting way. And I know that's there's going to be gloating. There's going to be more gloating. Not because I'm a Trump supporter, but because of what's right. So today is just a regular show. We're going to go over uh, the, the Mueller report released through the bar papers, whatever the hell they're calling it now. We're going to cover uh, Time's adoration of AOC and the news and social media nuggets. So that kind of sums it up. So that intro was when uh, Mika Brzezinski actually read live on the air. And, you know, once again, this is one of those times I wish I was a YouTube channel. Her face was classic. And then somebody took the, many times they said Trump, Russia, collusion, meddling, and made a song to it. Understand there's been 2,284 minutes just on the big three. We're not counting CNN and MSDNC. There are 533,074 web articles that have been published about Russia and Trump Mueller generating 245 million interactions, including likes, comments, shares on Twitter, Facebook, according to data from social media analytics, analytics company Newswhip. There was a Times cover with the White House becoming the Kremlin. And here's just a short taste of the best compilations that I've found so far of our media for the last two years who were the leading advocates that Trump was a Russian agent. I wouldn't be surprised if, for example, this week on Friday, he is going to be delivering what I think are going to be his indictments, the final indictments. I would not be surprised if there were a number of indictments that still were going to come down the pike. There are indictments in this president's future. That's a bombshell. The bombshell. This bombshell. Drop the bombshell. Bombshell accusation. Bombshell accusation. This is evidence of willingness to commit collusion. If this BuzzFeed News report is true, then we are likely on our way to possible impeachment proceedings. If this story is true, we must begin impeachment proceedings. Uh, This is suborning perjury. 
I think there's no question it's an impeachable offense. And at that point, we are in high crimes and misdemeanor, and we are in impeachment right, territory. Right. This president needs to be impeached. Impeachment is the remedy. I mean, the president can't... It's the only remedy. The spirit of what Trump did is clearly treasonous. This is moving into perjury, false statements, uh, and even into potentially treason. There's outright treason. I mean, there is no question. I think he's feeling the noose around his neck. The, the noose is tightening. Oh. And I think they're shocked that the noose is tightening. He feels the noose is tightening. The noose is tightening. The sound of hoofbeats of all those investigations catching up with Donald Trump must be loud in his ears. Hmm. He may be the first president uh, in quite some time to face the real prospect of jail time. People might go to jail. You're exactly right. For the rest of their lives. I think they're all going to jail. Well, I think they're all going to end up together in prison, and maybe that's a good thing. Oh, my God. He has no idea that he's going down. You're confident that at least some Trump associates will wind up in jail? If I was betting, I would say yes. Donald Trump Jr. gave us the dots. All we have to do is to connect them to see where this is going. We wish you a mother Christmas. We wish you a mother Christmas. We wish you a mother Christmas and impeachment next year. We wish you a mother Christmas. We wish you a mother Christmas. We wish you a mother Christmas and impeachment next year. Indictments will come to you and your kin. Indictments for Christmas and impeachment next year. We wish you a Muller Christmas. We wish you a Muller Christmas. We wish you a Muller Christmas and impeachment next year. Indictments will come to you and your kin. Indictments for Christmas and impeachment next year. We wish you a Muller Christmas. We wish you a Muller Christmas. We wish you a Muller Christmas and impeachment next year. Subpoenas galore for all of Trump's men. Indictments for Christmas and impeachment next year. Bring forth the grand juries. Bring forth the grand juries. Now bring forth the grand jury and bring them all year. We know you're in bed with Putin. We know you're in bed with Putin. We know you're in bed with Putin because your treason is clear. Your treason is clear. We wish you a mother Christmas. We wish you a mother Christmas. We wish you a mother Christmas. And impeach midnight cheer. How was that, Natasha? Ah, oh, I'm glad you liked it. Breaking news. A bombshell. Today is a turning point. Today was historically bad for President Trump. Today was a turning point. A turning point. We're at a turning point here. The beginning of the end for the Trump presidency. We have another bombshell. Mike Pence might have to assume the office of the presidency. Rumblings of the word impeachment. Breaking news. Another bombshell out of the White House. I believe this is the beginning of the end. I do too. It's really the beginning of the end. He may be feeling the walls closing in on him. All the walls closing in on him. The walls closing in on him. Breaking news, a new bombshell. One astrologer says this means the beginning of the end for President Donald Trump. Trump will resign. Trump is going to resign. Is this the tipping point? I know we've said it, 
over and over. You think this is a tipping point? And over and over. This is a tipping point. And over and over. Breaking news, President Trump off the rails. There's the beginning of the end today. The beginning of the end. Breaking news tonight, new bombshell. This is the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. The walls are closing in. The walls closing in. The walls closing in. Breaking overnight bombshell. This is a very dramatic day and I think it might be near a tipping point. Do you think this is a tipping point? December 1st, 2017, you can mark it down. This is the day that everything changed. The beginning of the end? The beginning of the end. 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 We begin tonight with a bombshell. Donald Trump is in a lot of trouble. Trump is in trouble. The president will resign. Another hour, another bombshell. This is a tipping point. Trump's going down. This president could be impeached. Resignation. Resignation. I don't think this president is going to serve out his term. Mr. Trump will not serve out his term. He will not serve out his term. No way. Know how. Breaking news. Absolute bond. Donald Trump is not. He's done. And it's over. It's over. The wall's closing in. The wall's closing in. This is going to be the Achilles Hill. Breaking news tonight. I expect Trump to depart. This week will be the watershed week. Trump is in big trouble. Trump's in a lot of trouble. It's a sign of a terrified old man who feels the walls closing in. The walls are increasingly closing in on him. Tonight the walls are closing in. Today changed everything. This is the beginning of the end. Today the biggest tipping point for the Trump administration. What a historic day. The bombshells. He's underwater. He feels the walls closing in. Turning point. We may be at a tipping point. It's the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. Another bombshell. 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 This is a bombshell. It is. They were all in. They were invested. They were advocates. This is what they believed in their heart of hearts. No. No, that's not true. It's not what they believed. It's what they wanted to be so. Remember, the media told us there's no way Trump could ever get elected. There's no way he'll ever be the president because HRC is the most qualified candidate ever. And she was going to take over for the anointed one. And we were a democratic country. We all wanted open borders, abortion until they're in pre, you know, pre-med or post-med. We were all in on the democratic wave. There wasn't enough white people to win elections for Republicans because the demographics have shifted. They wanted this. They needed this to prove how bad you are as Americans. And bottom line up front, the most important thing about all of this is what I want you to remember as we go through just the little bit of sections I got and some reaction, and then we put this to bed. Oh, wait a minute. No, we won't because we'll find out the Democrats aren't putting it to bed. HRC destroyed evidence. Everything she did was punishable under law. And then all her people obstructed justice. Every fucking one of them. With the help of the FBI, who literally let them turn state's evidence, which was nothing. And then they ignored it. We have actual proof that Comey and Lynch buried it. They didn't want an investigation. With Obama's assistance. She walked. And when Comey came forward and put out blah, 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 and then blah, 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 she didn't reach the level of of fucking prosecution. There's nothing here. Our media flowed back to Comey as a Republican, to Comey as the greatest person ever, and we didn't have special counsels. We didn't investigate anything. The FBI handled it, and we know how that went with Page and Zork. The most... Clarient thing will be a tweet from somebody at the back end of this. What about Obama? 
Our media has yet to give a reckoning to Obama. This was under Obama. So now we know there was no collusion with Russia. Because let's get this straight, dumbasses. My glee in this is not because Trump's been vindicated. The President of the United States has been vindicated, and he never should have to be vindicated. If this guy is this big fucking moron that doesn't know how to do shit, can't tie his shoes and chew bubblegum at the same time, you tell me, but he is a mastermind that colluded with Russia to steal an election, are you fucking shitting me? That's what we've been jerking off to, to two fucking years? I mean, the numbers on this is, let me get to the numbers. The numbers are insane. And you'll see the left is not, they're not backing off. They, this is, it's not happening. In their mind, he's still guilty, and we're going to prove he's guilty. That's what they're fucking doing. Here's the reality. Over the last two years, We've had 1,184 articles from Washington Post, 1,156 articles from New York Times, 1,965 segments by CNN, 4,202 segments by MSDNC. These are just the stories ran on Mueller investigations to September, on average 13 stories per day. That's not the whole two years. And the Mueller investigation did the following. This is directly from Barr's letter. Special counter noted that in completing this investigation, he employed 19 lawyers who were assisted by a team of approximately 40 FBI agents, intelligent analysts, forensic accountants, and other professional staff. The special counsel issued more than 2,800 subpoenas, executed nearly 500 search warrants, obtained more than 230 orders for communication records, issued more than 50 orders authorizing use of pen registered, made 13 requests to foreign governments for evidence and interviewed approximately 500 witnesses. 500. But the partisan Democrats in the House are still going to investigate it. Because it's not done for them. What else could you find? Nothing. Nothing. There is no collusion. There's no obstruction of justice if there's no breaking of justice. Tweeting, they should blow these fuckers off, is not obstruction of justice. That's what they're trying to twist. But where is Obama? Why isn't anybody talking about Obama? He allowed this to happen. He knew it was happening. But they knew they could use it against Republicans, so they let it roll. And what about Hillary, who got millions from Russia, gave them all our uranium, actually has ties to the dossier? And what about the dossier, which we know was written off CNN I shit and made up, which McCain was part of? What about the reckoning for those people? There'll be no reckoning. Because the moment Trump said it, they said, we're not that way. We're not dictator. He's a dictator. See, I knew Trump couldn't have done this because Trump ran a shoestring fucking campaign. 
And the reason this all went down is the Democrats put up the fucking worst candidate ever on the planet to run for president, and people didn't want her to win. Couple with the groundbreaking campaign of the socialist Bernie Sanders that they were stealing the election from, you get this clusterfuck. But instead of going after the people that actually did all this, broke real laws, our media bandwagoned and helped the Democrats, the FBI, and all Brennan, Clapper, all of them, go after Trump because they didn't like Trump. The office of the President of the United States has been tarnished. And for eight years, we were told that was a crime you couldn't do. That was traitorous. To even suggest that Obama was wrong for handing a C-130 full of fucking cash to the country that was supplying the IEDs that killed my brothers in Iraq. I was a racist, xenophobe, Islamophobe. To get upset about him leaving four guys to die on top of a fucking roof in Benghazi was racist. Yesterday, I watched Meet the Press Daily. Chuck Todd's first thing. We're the media. We look at these things the way they should be looking at. The Parsons do what they do. We do journalism. And then he commenced to go into the Democratic talking points that we'll see. This isn't over. He wasn't exonerated. So what are the first articles you're getting out? Uh, Margaret Sullivan. If you say you want a media reckoning, here's mine. New column. Serious journalists should be proud of not bullied over the Russia reporting. From her article, I reckon that American citizens would have been far worse off if skilled reporters hadn't dug into the connections between Trump associates up to and including his son, Don Jr., and the Russians. That reporting has not been invalidated. Well, yes, it has, because there was no collusion. I reckon that the felonious lying to the public about proposed Trump Tower in Moscow remains a scandal. And that we know about this in a large part because journalists. I reckon that the hard-nosed reporting about former National Security Advisor Flynn roundly denied, you might recall, before it was approved. I reckon that reporting by Washington Post, New York Times, Wall Street, and you list all of Daily Beast, who's been proven to be liars. Fucking BuzzFeed, ProPublica, she lists all the losers. As Americans saw with their own eyes, Trump's bizarre effort to integrate himself with Russia, Vladimir Putin, that reporting mattered and provided context. Context of what? David Wright, new from Laura Jarrett. Three weeks ago, special counsel team came to brief A.G. Bill Barr and Deputy A.G. Rod Rosenstein on the investigation and told the top DOJ officials that Mueller would not be reaching a conclusion on obstruction of justice per source familiar with the meeting. They knew. The media knew. But we rolled out everybody just to continue to tarnish Trump. First article from fucking Politico. Republicans gleefully pounced on the special counsel statement. Now they're saying the Democrats are seizing on the line that says could not exonerate. And they're saying it's all up. So here's our first reaction from our fucking brave firefighters. Mower has landed. It's my hardball.
reaction to these dramatic developments. A Democratic representative, Eric Swalwell of California, is joining us. He's on both the Intelligence and the Judiciary Committees. Congressman, thanks so much for joining us, sir. So tell us what you're looking for, maybe as early as this weekend, when you're going to get uh, what uh, the Attorney General says, the principal conclusions of this report. Good evening, Wolf. We want the full report. We want it now. We want it before the president is going to get it or able to make any edits. Well, let me interrupt. Uh, any retractions? Why should it. why should the Congress get it? The, the legislative branch get it before the executive branch, before the president of the United States himself. The president is a subject. He's he's a subject of the investigation. He has an inherent conflict of interest. There's an honor code in our country that presidents, when they're subjects of investigations, back off, that they follow the rule of law. And so it's really inappropriate that he would even touch this. If he didn't do anything wrong, he would keep his hands off it, say the public can read every word, every sentence, every comma, every period. He's not going to do that. And I think that's going to taint uh, its release. Do you have full confidence in the Attorney General, Bill Barr, that he will give you, members of Congress, as much information from this report as he possibly can within legal guidelines? With Mr. Barr, look, I'll trust, but we have to verify. So we will ultimately see the full report because the president is outnumbered. We have now the subpoena power and a judiciary that will uphold the precedents from the Nixon era. However, I also think we will probably have to hear from Bob Mueller himself. I don't know how we could just accept it at Mr. Barr's word without the lead investigator telling us whether he was limited in any way or whether there were lines that he wanted to pursue that he was not able to. I think the American people will need to hear from Mr. Mueller. If, what will the Democrats do if uh, the attorney general declines to make everything, everything, all the documentation, all the background, everything in his uh, two, nearly two-year investigation available to Congress? We'll fight and we'll win, Wolf, because the American people voted to put a balance of power over these abuses of power. So we have the subpoena power now. We have the courts uh, that will back us up. And also, I just want to say this, Wolf. I do not want to hear from a president who was unwilling to go under oath as a subject of this investigation, attack a report where others so willingly did go under oath. He has no credibility. The state of the evidence will not include his testimony, and so anything he says about it I think should be deemed irrelevant. Will Democrats subpoena the special counsel, Robert Mueller, if necessary, to come before Congress and testify? You know, that's a decision for Chairman Nadler. It's my personal view that the report will not be fully accepted by the American people until we hear from Bob Mueller. Were you surprised that additional indictments weren't handed down as this uh, nearly two-year investigation has now concluded? I haven't been surprised by anything in this uh, investigation, Wolf. And there have been dozens of indictments already. People have gone to jail. People are on their way uh, to jail. And I don't know if other uh, work has been farmed off uh, to other offices like the Southern District of New York with respect to Michael Cohen. So I will accept uh, the Mueller report if I hear it from Mr. Mueller because I have respect for the rule of law and I know my fellow colleagues do. But this is a test for the rule of law in our country right now. It's had a wrecking ball taken to it and what we do next will determine whether it still stands. Do you accept the current Justice Department guideline that a sitting president of the United States cannot be indicted? But that's their guidelines, Wolf. I don't accept, though, that a president should escape criminal liability by being reelected or running out the statute of limitations. What we will do, and we are working on this, uh, will put in place a law in Congress, and hopefully the Senate passes it too, that would say that 
the statute would not run uh, if a president uh, is not indicted because of a DOJ policy. I don't see how he does not have indictments waiting for him, considering that he is individual one and considering the conduct that Michael Cohen talked about when he came to Congress and testified. But if there's no indictment, no criminal charge, the other Justice Department uh, guideline is you don't release negative information about someone who isn't charged. Right. And, and that's a guideline that I think we're going to fight because we have the subpoena power. For two years when I was on the Judiciary Committee, we saw the Republicans subpoena every single document relating to the Clinton investigation where Secretary Clinton was not charged. And they had all of that aired out. And so we warned them. And Adam Schiff was very clear over and over on the Intelligence Committee. You are setting a precedent that you will have to live by later. And now they're going to have to live by that while we have a president of the United States, an even greater figure in our democracy, under investigation. So the American people, they will see all of this, Wolf. It's just a matter of when. But you, at the time, you, you strongly condemned, I'm talking about the Democrats, uh, the, the then uh, FBI director, James Comey, for releasing all that damaging information about Hillary Clinton, even though she wasn't formally charged. Others may have done that. I did not condemn James Comey when he did that. I'm, I'm a former prosecutor, and I actually I understand the, the reasoning that went in uh, in the position that he was in. I, that, I was not among those, uh, Wolf. But what I will say is that what they did later on the House Judiciary Committee in the years after the election was over, that was a private citizen who was not in office, and they were going back in time to look at that conduct. We're not dealing with a private citizen here. We're dealing with a president who makes national security decisions every day that affect us. I think the American people want to know whether this president uh, violated conduct, while, whether he violated not only the law, but that honor code that we all count on, and whether he needs to be held accountable. Congressman Swalwell, thanks so much for joining us. You guys are going to be very, very busy in the coming oh, yeah. days, probably as early as this weekend when these principal conclusions uh, are going to be sent uh, from the Attorney General over to Congress. Thanks very much for joining us. Of course, my pleasure. Will. All right, Laura Jarrett's over at the Justice Department getting more information. What else, Laura, are you learning? Well, if one big piece of news... Now that Special Counsel Mueller has submitted his report to the Attorney General, it's imperative for Mr. Barr to make the full report public and provide its underlying documentation and findings to Congress. Barr was going to block him. Well, at least as far as this letter goes from the Attorney General, Bill Barr tonight, Barr says he never exercised that power. He's notifying Congress formally there was never anything the special counsel sought to do that Bill Barr stopped Mueller from doing. And, if, and that's fascinating. Of course, everybody would like to hear that from Robert Mueller as well as from Bill Barr. But uh, at this point, it's only Bill Barr who is speaking on Mueller's behalf. Robert Mueller is still at this point publicly silent, uh, as he has been from the very beginning. Although we'll have more on that in a moment. You know, we are they, these guys are failing in their fundamental constitutional duty. I mean, is it going to take Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to have to come and tweet something Maybe. for them to get all worked up? Defend democracy, right? What is the army motto? This we'll defend. They should be saying right now, I don't care what's in that report. We're going, you know, we're going to go to town and we're going to find out what the facts are. And you know what? We were attacked. That's one component of it. But the other things, the most corrupt administration in the history of the United States, we're going to find out because this nation is far better and worth the effort. Yeah. But the, the fact that, the, that this investigation takes place within the Justice Department, which Donald Trump essentially controls, and that he got rid of the problem, Jeff Sessions, who the one decent thing that he did was just recuse himself. Mm -hmm. um, this guy is not recused. 
it feels like the seeds of a cover-up are here. Look, if I'm the Trump children and I'm having I'm having a party tonight, right? Like they won the white privilege regatta, all right? Like you cannot you cannot invest. There is not an African American person in this country that could have been investigated for 22 months, had their family investigated for 22 months, and come away scot free. If they did that to me, they pop me for sharing Netflix passwords with my wife, all right? Like so, the fact that and, and you while did that? Well, <laughs> that's not allowed. While I fundamentally agree that there are more avenues of investigation against these people. There's going to be an SDNY investigation. There's the inaugural committee. There are lots of other ways to get at the children. In this particular case, these grown adult children who were part of what appears to be the collusion or the conspiracy with Russia, the, the point people in that, these people have escaped scot-free with no indictments. And there's going to be nothing in that Mueller report that is, sorry, it is unlikely there's going to be anything in that Mueller report that's going to satisfy me in terms of why these people weren't even brought in under oath for questioning. Um, The great John Lewis, legendary John Lewis, they didn't see him as a legitimate president. That's what Trump wants. Yeah, but you know what? Donald Trump is legitimate. He's a legitimate tyrant. He's a legitimate (laughs) dictator in waiting. I mean, he's a legitimate autocrat. You know, I was thinking about this a moment ago. You know, I'm from Philadelphia. I was raised in the the history of the American Revolution. If he starts housing soldiers in our homes, he will have fulfilled all of the intolerable acts of King George III. (laughs) So we may have to, you know, refer to the Declaration of Independence. For some insight, Maddo cried during it. The account KBQ2251 got suspended for saying she cried. No shit. Here's uh, Hale Razor, 2016. Not accepting elections are a direct threat to democracy. 2017, Mueller investigation will remove Trump. 2018, Mueller investigation will be removed, remove Trump. Last week, indictments are coming. No Trump indictments. 2019, House and New York investigations will remove Trump. Matthew Dowd. Think of Comey and Mueller like John Wick going through Russian, Russians and their American accomplices. Mueller reminds me of the Wyatt Earp and Tombstone. I imagine Bob Mueller could be saying this line from True Grit. Think of Robert Mueller like Johnny Appleseed. He planted a bunch of seeds so we can still go get him. And then he went on TV, and this was on the weekend, right after it happened on this week, and said this. Yeah, well, as Winston Churchill famously said, it's not the end, it's not the beginning of the end, it may be the end of the beginning, or the end of the beginning. Um, <laughs> I think you got it right. Uh, yeah. Uh, to me, the, the fascinating thing about this is, obviously, we don't know what's in the report, speculating exactly what it all means is hard to do in the midst of this. We don't know the why he did what he did in all of that. But I think the interesting thing about this to me is it never was going to be what so many people thought it was going to be. On either side? On either side. That's what's fascinating about this is that the president thought Bob Mueller's after him, he's after him, he's going to get him, he's going to get him, he's going to get his kids. He's he's called it a witch hunt. Even Jim Jordan was bashed, Bob Mueller bashed the investigation and all that. 
And then people on the left and many Democrats were like, he's going to get him, he's going to get him, it's going to be a civil war, he's going to get him. That was never Bob Mueller's charge. Bob Mueller's charge was to find the evidence, take, follow where it goes, and then prosecute people that would need to be prosecuted if the evidence was there, which he has done, as you have laid out, in a number of different ways, and then turn the report in. That's exactly what he's done. And now we enter the political phase of this. Politics on overreach. Um... Uh, is going to help the president. I think many Americans and many of those who sit in the middle who maybe like his policies but don't care for him personally look at this and say they're investigating his business, they're investigating his kids, they're investigating the inaugural, they're investigating everything he's touched in his life. And, 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 and maybe and maybe there's something, you know, through the Cohen stuff that deserves to be looked at. But it's so widespread that it's hard to almost take it credible that every aspect of this person's life, when he's never been committed of a crime, now needs to be investigated because Democrats don't like the fact well, that he, he was wasn't elected. No, he wasn't investigated for the first two years at all. So right. I think there's a little catch-up to do. As early as Saturday, Joy Reid was spinning just like the rest of these fucking fucktards that it's all a goddamn conspiracy. Let's just recuse himself. Um, this guy is not recused. It feels like the seeds of a cover-up are here. Well, I mean, theoretically, it could happen, right? These are humans. They're all fallible. Maybe he does feel some sort of loyalty to him. But, you know, that's Bill Barr is one guy. There are secretaries. There are people who have to handle these documents. There are the FBI agents who did this themselves. I don't think that there's, there's room for a cover-up. Because why cover up the greatest scandal in the history of the United States with the greatest scandal in the history of the United States? An attorney general trying to engineer that. I don't believe that's going to happen. Because if they do, then you can just see copies of this thing falling out by the pallet load in front of the Washington Post. So this could be the Pentagon Papers, in, in a sense. That people, I mean, if there are yeah. Because the challenge, I think, Malcolm, is that if there are implications in this... Sweet Jesus. Brian Krasestein, Sneak Pete, the last page of my upcoming book, How the People Trumped Ronald Plump. And this is where we go into the Mueller stuff. There's a picture of Mueller like he's the baddest man on the fucking planet. SDNY shirts. Southern District New York City is now selling on Etsy because they think they're going to take him down. There were fucking prayer candles for Mueller. No shit. And the Hill was running reports, conservatives wage assault on Mueller report. As Burn It All Down says, Tim has 70. This is next level pounce. Not a single Democrat has accepted this report. Not a single candidate for president. Not a single fucking talking head. This following one goes through Sunday. But yesterday, I watched Seltzer. I watched Todd. They literally are not accepting it because they can't. They are so invested in this that their reputation, their very being as journalists is now challenged because they told us he wasn't going to get elected. They told us that he was going to get impeached for two fucking years. They told us he was a Russian asset. They told us that he was obstructing justice. None of it's true. None of it. He can't be the dumbest president ever and be a criminal mastermind. These reactions, though long, must be played 
Because do you hear any contrition? Todd saying, it's a death knell for fucking Democrats. It's a checkmate. But, and Seltzer's defending the media for what they've done for two years. This report was concluded without interviewing the President of the United States in front of a grand jury. Now, there's plenty of, there was plenty of legal reasons perhaps that uh, Bob Mueller decided not to go through with that. Will that be known as a mistake or not? <laughs> uh, John Brennan, what was fascinating, one of the things I, I'd like to remind people is Mueller took over an active investigation. He did not start an investigation. He took over an active investigation that had been started by the FBI, that it took place when you were in the national security team. Um, I don't want to go through everything you said. Nobody was more alarmed by the things that you saw, I, that anybody in the national security team, than you. Um, You've been very confident in Bob Mueller. He has, boy, he's he played by the strict rules of this statute. Um, are you at all, does it at all bother you that he never did try to subpoena the president in front of that grand jury? You know, the, the one other thing about this, uh, John, is do you think, how do we put this toothpaste back in the tube? Yeah. This is long-term damage. I mean, beyond long-term damage. There is 40% of the country the president has spun up believing that the rule of law in this country uh, and, and frankly, then you're going to have 40% on the other side if the president does sort of banana republic us in this. This is, I don't know how we put the toothpaste back in there. Well, we're going through some very choppy and stormy waters, uh, clearly. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like to think that the strength of our institutions, as we're now seeing with the Department of Justice, is going to prevail. I'd like to think that our electoral system is going to get us on the right path. Mm-hmm. But, but clearly, we are in a very, very difficult time right now. But I have, I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful that we're going to emerge from this. Some portion of the Mueller report. Some portion, but we don't know what exactly. So let's talk about what these past two years have been like. Mueller, just the name Mueller, has come to mean so many different things in America. His name has achieved almost mythical status. Liberals have been hoping Mueller will take down the president. In another corner, conservatives have been claiming that Mueller is a dirty cop. The president's friends have been pushing this view. Sean Hannity and others have been trashing the Mueller probe for months and months and months. You know, Hannity called it a fishing expedition and so much worse. At one point, he even alluded to a Mueller crime family on an episode that the president promoted. So when people claim that Trump did not interfere in the Mueller probe, remember what was happening on TV every single night, attack after attack after attack. Now at the same time, over on left-wing blogs, Mueller was cast as a saint and a savior. Look at SNL, the comedians last Christmas saying, all I want for Christmas is you, Mueller. It is so easy to subscribe to either of those narratives, Mueller the hitman, or Mother of the Hero. It's so easy to subscribe with just the click of a button or the click of a remote. It is so hard to tune all that out, to tune out the partisanship and just tune in to the news. And right now, there's not much actual news to report. We are standing by. Camera crews uh, are outside the DOJ and the White House and Mar-a-Lago waiting for information. So here we are on cable, talking, talking, guessing, standing by for news. And I'm actually a defender of this cable talk show model. I'm an avid viewer of it. Because news headlines are ubiquitous these days. Our phones alert us to the news. So cable is more like a rolling talk show, letting people be a part of the daily debate about how our country should be governed and how our world should work. I think that's a good thing. Some of the talk shows are really smart. But the bad thing is when folks mix up the talk with the news. And sometimes we do let it get too blurry. 
So let me take this on. Uh, partisans on the right are already claiming the end of the Mueller probe vindicates all their prior positions. And they are saying the media, the evil media, was wrong all along. Donald Trump Jr. is tweeting out messages like this. Collusion truthers, he says, accusing the press of pushing a narrative against his dad. But Jr. is making a rookie mistake. Mueller's assignment was to get to the truth about Russian interference. Now, did many commentators and Democratic politicians allege collusion? Yes. Did many journalists ask about it? Yes. But there is a giant difference between asking and telling. The job of the nation's news media is to ask, to question all sides, to scrutinize all sides, to report on opposing points of view, and to only take the side of truth and decency. Someone should tell Jesse Waters that. I feel like this delivers a knockout blow to the press and the Democrats who've been saying collusion, collusion, collusion for the last two years. Water should take his blinders off. Obviously, some opinion columnists and point of view news outlets have invested in an anti-Trump narrative. Others, like Waters, have promoted a pro-Trump narrative. That is our wild media world. But the president's kids and friends on Fox should be able to tell the difference between agenda-driven columnists and journalists who are just trying to report. There is a big difference. There is a big difference between news and opinion. And I realize it can be hard to tune out all the noise and just tune into the news these days. But if I had to pick speculation or solid reporting, I would pick solid reporting in a second. I bet you would too. Reporting is what adds the most value. Finding out something new, putting out new information into the world is the best feeling in journalism. It's the greatest value add. That's what hundreds of journalists have been doing trying to solve pieces of this Trump-Russia puzzle. But here's the thing. Speculation actually has value, too. It helps open our eyes, helps open our minds to what's possible. I know people like to mock cable news in moments like this. It's an easy punchline, right? We are kind of standing by to find out what the news is going to be, waiting for A.G. Barr to tell us something. But that does have value, too. It gives you a place to go, a place to turn to, a recognition that you're not the only one who wants to know. Me, I rearranged my plan so I can be close to a TV all day today with the hope that we're going to get some news from Barr by the end of the day. This country needs to know what Mueller found and needs to know what he didn't find. And I think all of us as news citizens, news consumers, need to make sure our tuners work so we can distinguish between what is true and what is news versus what is wishful thinking, speculation, opinion. We need to distinguish between what has happened, what has actually happened, and what might happen. So don't be fooled by the partisans who cherry-pick the worst mistakes of individual journalists or the craziest ideas from commentators and claim that's the entire media. It's not. We're waiting for the facts, because here is what I know. I mean, you're going to hear this from the right for the next days and weeks to come, that the press has basically made all of this up to take down President Trump. But the press is just following a trail that Trump created. He has proven time and time again that he cannot be trusted. He is so dishonest that even America's allies don't know what to believe. He is so unpredictable that his aides sometimes don't know what to say or how to respond. That's the crucial context for whatever comes next. Maybe every time he said no collusion, what, more than 231 times so far, maybe every time he said no collusion, he was telling the truth. Maybe that's what Mueller found. If so, that would be a relief for the country. But Trump's daily deceptions have given this country ample reason to be suspicious. That is why there is so much noise 
News coverage doesn't happen in a vacuum. Reporters don't ask questions for no good reason. Speculation doesn't happen in a vacuum. So let's hope real investigating and real research and real reporting can lead us out of this. The name Mueller has come to mean a lot of things. Hopefully it means truth. And hopefully soon, let's get this report out. Uh, let's talk more about it now with Carl Bernstein. He's here with me in New York. And then from the summary that was given to lawmakers from Bill Barr on Robert Mueller's findings, he found that, one, there was no tacit or express agreement by anybody on the Trump campaign team or Trump himself or within Trump's orbit to, to coordinate or conspire with Russia to affect the election. The other thing is on obstruction. They compiled all of the evidence on both sides on obstruction and allowed Bill Barr and a deputy AG, Ron Rosenstein, to make the determination whether or not the president obstructed justice. justice. And both Barr and Rosenstein have said that they do not believe that the president obstructed justice. This, I imagine, is a good day for the president. He must be feeling relatively good right now. He is, and he's probably feeling relatively good about his selection of Bill Barr as his attorney general because this memo and the initial um, understanding of what's in the Mueller report, this will color what's in the Mueller report before any of us actually see it. Um, and so the, the two big determinations being, one, no, um, no, no evidence of, of any uh, conspiracy with Russia and the Trump campaign, but the second on obstruction... Boy, I tell you, you know, Katie, it's very confusing in here. The report did not make a decision on obstruction. It's the attorney general that's making a decision on obstruction. We already know he had a very expansive view of executive power on this front. So that isn't going to resolve the obstruction question as far as congressional uh, Democrats are concerned in general and probably many members uh, of legal community. I think this is going to be a debate. But you can't have the debate until you see the actual evidence of the obstruction. And I'll just say this. I think politically, the president is being done a huge favor here by the fact that there is a predetermination on what, on what the obstruction is from the attorney general without anybody else seeing, uh, seeing that evidence. And yes, it was Bob Mueller who left it to the AG and the deputy AG. But again, it is their interpretation on this, not Mueller's nor anybody else who's read this. So don't be fooled by the partisans who cherry-pick the worst mistakes of individual journalists or the craziest ideas from commentators and claim that's the entire media. It's not. We're waiting for the facts because here is what I know. I mean, you're going to hear this from the right for the next days and weeks to come that the press has basically made all of this up to take down President Trump. But the press is just following a trail that Trump created. He has proven time and time again that he cannot be trusted. He is so dishonest that even America's allies don't know what to believe. He is so unpredictable that his aides sometimes don't know what to say or how to respond. That's the crucial context for whatever comes next. Maybe every time he said no collusion, like more than 231 times so far, maybe every time he said no collusion, he was telling the truth. Maybe that's what Mueller found. If so, that would be a relief for the country. But Trump's daily deceptions have given this country ample reason to be suspicious. That is why there is so much noise. News coverage doesn't happen in a vacuum. Reporters don't ask questions for no good reason. Speculation doesn't happen in a vacuum. So let's hope real investigating and real research and real reporting 
can lead us out of this. The name Mueller has come to mean a lot of things. Hopefully it means truth. And hopefully soon. Let's get this report out. Uh, let's Carl, on the idea here that there's been so much coverage, the volume of coverage ha has given people an impression that something big is coming. Well, the volume of coverage is justified because, the, the, you know, the big question is what is news? This investigation and the conduct and behavior of this president is the biggest story we have had in many years because his behavior and conduct is anomalous. It's different than any other president in our history. He says and done, does things, including the lying that no other president has done. No other president has been, it has ever been suggested, colluded, to use that terrible word, with an enemy. <laughs> But let, but uh, and we're going to find out what the underlying just, yeah. facts are. I hope. And it's but, just not not just papers like Matthew's well, and the let, New York let's Times. Let's go to this. Doing this. Let's, first of all, there has been such fabulous reporting by, especially the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal. In cable, there has been some great reporting. Uh, other news institutions, but I want to stop on the Wall Street Journal. Its reporting has been fabulous. Right up there with the Washington Post and New York Times. You mean the great, Rupert Murdoch great, Wall Street great Journal. stories broken by the Wall Street Journal. Mm -hmm. Why is that so important? Because it is owned by Rupert Murdoch. Mm -hmm. Because Murdoch's paper, the paper he owns, let journalistic standards prevail, and we know a hell of a lot more about Donald Trump and this investigation because of the Wall Street Journal. Mm -hmm. And the, the right wing, the blind following, I'm not saying that, that there's plenty of room for people to support Donald Trump if they want to, but this idea of marching in lockstep that those people, and Republicans particularly, ought to take a look at what the Wall Street Journal's reporting has been, because it has been very much in keeping with what we have reported on CNN. Unfucking believable Harazu, just because there was not enough evidence, doesn't mean he's not to double. Stacey Abrams says, bar summary of the Mueller report is like having your brother summarize your part. Now they're saying it's bar. Uh, Sheila Jackson refuses to accept special counsel. Charles Sykes, a number, uh, uh, fucking never Trumper. Remember, the failure to indict is not a finding of innocence. Uh, Brennan on MSDNC. Well, I don't know if I received bad information, but I think I suspected there was more than actually was. 40 FBI agents, 19 lawyers, 2,800 subpoenas, 500 warrants, 230 orders for communication record, 50 orders authorizing pen registers, 13 requests for foreign government for evidence, 500 witness, illegal wiretapping of another candidate for the Democratic Party that the FBI did. You found nothing. Momo, yeah, read the whole thing and there's nothing condemning in the report. Kim Strassel, one of the people, and Mark Hemingway, we're going to play in the next podcast. She did a great thing, but here's Strassel. No collusion finding a Mueller report. It's worth recognizing this is more than exonerating. It's a searing indictment of the FBI. If you're going to investigate a presidential campaign and on a charge of graves as collusion, which is treason, and with heavy-handed tactics FBI employed, you better have highly convincing reason to act. The Mueller report is judgment that never was and any real evidence. The populopolis conversation was always thin gruel, and the Mueller findings now prove the dossier was fabricated. The country now deserves a full accounting of how the FBI blew it so 
badly. The Mueller has done his job. He will address some of this, but the real accounting needs to come from full declassification of FBI DOJ probe. Cheryl Atkinson of Clapper, Brennan, Rice, Comey generally believe Trump colluded with Russia, and he didn't. What does that say about the judgment of our uh, one-time top intel types? Ari Fleischer, now that Mueller says there was no collusion, is it time to scrutinize the Obama administration who allowed it? Anybody? So Sarah Sanders is the only one out there running her mouth about this. She took the media to task. I got a chubber watching it. Did Robert Mueller deserve better from the president than this kind of language and behavior? Frankly, I think the American people deserved better. They didn't deserve for the election of this president to try to be taken Wait a minute, but the president's rhetoric. About a public servant doing a job. Are you kidding? The president's rhetoric matches. They are literally, the media and Democrats have called the president an agent of a foreign government. Wait, wait, wait. That we're is, talking But that is an accusation equal to treason, which is punishable by death in this country. Does he owe Robert Mueller an apology for that kind of rhetoric? I think Democrats and the liberal media owe the president and they owe the American people an apology. They wasted two years and created a massive disruption and, and distraction from things that people that impact everyone's day-to-day life. Russia did in fact meddle in our elections, which is borne out by this latest report and the intelligence agencies of the U.S. And they tried to tie the president of the United States to it, which was completely false and completely wrong. I have at least another 30 minutes of reactions as we go through the weekend and we go through tomorrow. It's now he could still be impeached. He could still be impeached. Couldn't he still be impeached? CNN going, oh man, we, we could still be impeached. This doesn't, there's so many investigations. There's literally a picture the media is rolling around of all the investigations thinking it's a good thing. But the average American, and unfortunately for them, the average Democrat doesn't give a fuck. This was so low on their issue sheet. It's not funny. The resistance wants this. The media wants this. Average Americans are done with this shit. You wasted $30 million. There was never a there there Everybody sees it as it is. We've read the polls. They know this is a witch hunt. They know this was concocted to cover for Hillary. What she did was a crime. What Obama did was a crime. What fucking the Attorney General did was a crime. What the FBI did was a crime. It is fucking unexcusable. The media will never recover from this. They can never say anything again, and I would believe them. Nothing. And I'm not a Trumper. And this isn't about exonerating Trump. This is that we let a bunch of people who don't want normal, regular, outside-the-bubble candidates to be president. And they did a coup, and it failed. What about the reckoning for them? They went off about how Trump said, now we need to look at the other side. We do. What about them? What about them falsifying charges? What about them making up a dossier? What about them illegally securing wiretaps and subpoenas off bullshit that they knew was bullshit? 
You're telling me nobody at the FBI knew it was a bunch of crap somebody pulled off of CNN? Are you telling me they're that incompetent? And what about Obama? The dear leader, the anointed one, the one that's supposed to be the perfect above fucking politics guy that was supposed to unite the country. This was his watch. Russia meddled in an election, they say, through Facebook somehow, even though I never saw any of them. And he allowed it. What about his reckoning? What about the perfect no-scandal president? The office of the President of the United States was degraded for two years by a bunch of lying fuckheads. All because they couldn't accept a person they didn't want became president. Why am I so butthurt and pissed? Because for eight years you told me I couldn't say anything about the president. I couldn't criticize anything about the president. I didn't have the right. I was un-American to open my trap because he was an African-American Democrat and he was perfect. I was either racist un-American if I criticized anything he did. Then for two years, you said he was a Russian agent. The very same office that we're supposed to fucking protect. And as American, a person who's fucking defended this country, that people would do a coup knowing it was all a lie and get away with it, that's shit that happens in third world countries. Not America. We're going to go to a music break. But as you go out, I now have a montage of them saying, them being CNN in one day, 120 times. He's not exonerated for collusion. They're still going after the President of the United States. On Vindication on collusion, yes. Exoneration on obstruction, not so much. Total exoneration, that's not what it says in here. It is no exoneration. There's also a direct quote that says, while this report does not conclude that the president committed a crime, it also does not exonerate the president. It said it, it, didn't, it had, did not exonerate him. It did not exonerate him. Mueller specifically says, while this report does not conclude that the president committed a crime, it also does, does not, not exonerate, exonerate him. him. He lied today when he said, I've been fully exonerated. He could not be exonerated. But he does not exonerate. But he's not exonerated. He was not exonerated. President Trump was not exonerated. Uh, did not exonerate the president. Mueller didn't exonerate Trump. He is not fully exonerated. Not exonerating. Specifically not exonerated. And it wasn't going to completely exonerate the president, which it didn't. Uh, So, you know, not to pat myself on the back. But I think that this does not exonerate. Does not exonerate. Does not exonerate. Does not exonerate. Did not exonerate. Doesn't exonerate. Doesn't exonerate. Does not exonerate. Does not exonerate. Doesn't exonerate. Does not exonerate President Trump.
to other man Scaramouche, Scaramouche, will you do the fandango? Poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reid. She's a freshman member of Congress, but she has a, a guiding philosophy uh, that has made her a lightning rod, according to your article. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. She's, uh, she's basically an activist with a congressional pin, and a lot of people see her as the conscience of the Democratic Party. Um, I think that she, her working class background is absolutely intrinsic to the story she's telling and to her power in this moment right now, because she can really authentically speak to the issues that are facing a lot of people. She's almost suggesting her ascent is inevitable. And honestly, it is in some ways. Um, you got to look at the math here, right? We have uh, the oldest first-term president ever elected. Uh, until ten year, until uh, a couple months ago, Congress uh, was ten years older than it had been in the 1980s. Uh, Trump has surrounded himself uh, with people who are rooted in 20th century ways of thinking. And the thing about AOC and the reason that she is, I think, tapping into something that is so exciting to some and threatening to others is that she is uh, really bringing us into the politics of the 21st century. She is a 21st century leader trying to tackle 21st century problems in a body that is largely dominated by 20th century thinking. Do you get the sense that she understands why she's so threatening? I think she does. I think there's a lot of different reasons why she's so threatening. I could have spent my whole time yelling in this mic over Mueller, but I figured there'd be plenty of time to yell because it's not ending, thanks to Democrats. And I had that clusterfuck crock of shit, beautiful segment that I was so excited for, and then the Mueller report dropped, from Charlotte Alter. That's a journalist. Now, before we even go into this, understand her father was a big-time journalist, and her mother was a producer. She's a rich kid. So that's a frame of reference, just like Ocasio. Ocasio isn't Jenny from the block. Ocasio went to fucking Harvard or some shit. She had money. She's a Manchurian candidate, we already proved. She did a tryout, that's how she got her fucking job. So, there's no, oh, look at us poor kids. As we go into this Time Magazine bullshit cover story, The Fina. Dinosaur media outlet Time Magazine awarded Democratic Congresswoman AOC a gushing cover story on the April 1st issue, rhapsodizing over the phenom who is the best storyteller in the Democratic Party. AOC's hard-left brand of socialism is portrayed positively, and Time National correspondent Charlotte Alter found no time to mention the cow farting in the airplane eliminating section that was in the Green New Deal. The Time cover featured a flattering picture of Ocasio-Cortez with the headline screaming, The Phenom! Writer, writer Alter sounded like a PR representative, and she enthused AOC, a Democratic Socialist of the time, when confidence in capitalism is declining, especially among progressive millennials. 
She's a political phenomenon, part activist, part legislator, arguably the best storyteller in the party since Barack Obama, and perhaps the only Democrat right now with the star power to challenge President Donald Trump. It sounds like she's masturbating to a picture of AOC for fuck's sake. I know that's crude, but I can't say jerking off when it's a woman. Telling the socialists is a pop sensation, alter hyped. Thousands of people tune in to watch her make black bean soup or repot her houseplants on Instagram Live. Immediately after she tweeted the name of her signature red lipstick, Beso by Stelia, it sold out. The Time Journalist parroted liberal talking points. AOC threatened the status quo, bringing a youthful impatience to set of policies popularized by Bernie Sanders. Though the Green New Deal is mentioned, what's not is the story's laughable sections. Of course they're not going to do it. Frequently asked questions sections. We said a z- goal to get to net zero rather than zero emissions in 10 years because we aren't sure they'll be able to get rid of the farting cows. The only illusion came from Alters vaguely stated her office botched the rollout of the Green New Deal by inadvertently posting an unfinished version. That's why young Americans have become increasingly attracted to democratic socialists with aims to build a stronger social safety net. The little criticisms that they made on it, many House Democrats resent her celebrity and think she's just too popular. Now I want you to go back to a time when Michelle Bachman blew up in the fucking the right side the queen of rage was newsweek's photo but for time the phenom now am i butt hurt because they gave a cover to fucking no that's that's what they do this is the media we're talking about they do jerk off to democrats They love Democrats. They love progressivism. They all want socialist America. The socialist states of America is what they want. It's this part. She then went to tweeting. In order to understand AOC, you have to look at what she's experienced and what she didn't. Red Scare, Reaganomics, a prosperous 90s were all before her time. Her adulthood was defined by financial crisis, debt, and climate change. No wonder she and her peers are moving left. AOC retweeted it. Yes, and this is not just my story. This is a true of a wide swath of our entire generation who are now poised to become much more influential civic and electoral bloc as we mature in our 30s. When people crushed her, Charlotte Alter, just reporting the facts, Trump's rooted in 20th century ways of thinking, and thinking about AOC and the reason she's tapping into something as exciting, she's really bringing us to the 21st century. Other tweets from this twat, and I'm going to lose my fucking mind. AOC and I were born the same year. She was a Dunkaroos kid. I liked fruit roll-ups. People our age have never experienced American prosperity in our adult lives, which is why so many millennials are embracing democratic socialism. T. Beckett Adams pulls out the first thing. Fruit roll-ups and Dunkaroos were brand-name snacks that only lucky kids got. The rest of us got generic store-brand fruit fold-outs. No shit! My kids never got them! 
from her Time article before I explode. The woman everyone calls AOC is as much a villain to the right as she is a hero to the left. She's replaced Hillary Clinton as the preferred punching bag of Fox News pundits and Republican lawmakers, and the hits are taking their toll. Public opinion of AOC has soured as she become better known. According to Gallup, in February, 31% of Americans overall have a favorable impression of her against 41% unfavorable of 15-point swings brought on by fucking horrible people. And one last thing. This is Jonathan Alter's kid who went to Harvard as a legacy after her father, who went to Phillips Academy, also went there, and who also wrote the Time cover story AOC, surely getting the gig unrelated to her connections. She later said, I'm not talking about my personal experience. This is from my reporting on why millennials are moving so far to the left, which is reported by polling. This is what AOC said in the interview. I have a soundbite and everything going on Seth Morgan and being treated like she's the second coming of Obama. And why does this anger me? Anybody out there? Why would I get angry that they wrote this? You participation fucking trophy twats. You are in the greatest country on earth. Over where you say we need to care about the Palestinians, women can't even show their goddamn faces. They don't drive. They don't run for office. Gays are thrown off fucking roofs. And you're in this horrible country. What about the prosperity right now? Alter. A booming economy. 4.7 million jobs that can't even be filled. 3% unemployment. And to actually utter that when you did have name brand food, had parents that sent you to fucking Harvard. No. It's not because America's in such a decline. It's not because it's just such a horrible world and we're all going to die in 12 years. It's because you are the participation generation. You believed when you got out of high school, you're supposed to go to Harvard, do nothing, get a four-year degree, walk out, and get your goddamn job in progressive thought. Climate change climatologist. And it didn't happen. Because that's not fucking life. It's not life. No generation walked out and everything was handed to them. Not even the fucking boomers. You still have to work for it. This is the greatest country in the world because you can. You guys spend all your time pandering to the fucking low lowlifes that fucking want to get their free college and have free this, and not have to work for anything, and get a free iPhone and a free car and a free house and a free free. Those people don't work for it. They don't go out and put on their goddamn bootstraps. You want to hear about hard times? My kids, enlisted soldier, they didn't get fruit roll-ups. They didn't get fucking little Debbies until I was an E7 because we couldn't even afford that shit. They got a nice little bag of fucking generic sugar cereal. Fruit holes. Or some other lame fucking name. But they went to bed 
fed every night. We plastered together whatever we could to get them a good Christmas while we bought shit off Finger Hut. And both my kids went out and made successes of their lives. My son did his grades so he could go to college for fucking free. It wasn't Harvard, but he got a free college. And even though my daughter had some stumbles in the beginning, she's now successful, a homemaker and a worker at Starbucks, and they live a great life with two brand new fucking cars. It wasn't handed to them. They had to work for it. The reason why all these people are going to the left is because they're lazy fucking twats like you two. You are in the greatest country in the world. I listened to a Ben Shapiro show on this. One of the rare times I'm going to steal something from Ben Shapiro. But he had pie charts. Think about technology. His presentation on that was fucking amazing. Back in the day, it took like 40 years for everybody to get a fucking radio. 40 years for everybody to get a fucking TV. Everybody got smartphones within about 15 fucking years. Computers. Think about what computers are like and then what they are now. I bought a $3,500 fucking 2 gig of RAM game system from Dell. That was our first computer. My fucking phone has more memory than that did and more storage. It used to be not everybody could have computers. Now everybody has a fucking computer in their goddamn hand. Doesn't matter if you're poor or not. The Democrats give it to you under the free phone program. I had fucking minimum wage workers walking around with iPhone 9000 that I couldn't even afford. Our poverty level now compared to poverty in the Depression is rich in the Middle East. It's air-conditioned, fed, clothed. But we live in such horrible times, we need to go to socialism and get everything for free. Shut your fucking cock traps. You wouldn't know what hard times are if it bit you in the twat. And that just shows our media. Here is a reporter... This isn't a pundit. This is a fucking journalist jigging off to a fucking Democrat and writing a non-critical thinking fucking piece. Do you think maybe she gets heat because she's factless? She has no fucking clue what she's talking about. She was an economics major and she couldn't tell you how to fucking finance a trip to the goddamn zoo. I mean, seriously, folks, anybody out there think that that's journalism? Anybody. And then AOC has the gall to go on a tirade. By the way, Fox News, like to say my name incorrectly as Cortez with a Z, which I can only imagine is because that sounds more stereotypically Hispanic and probably incites more anxiety for them. Pro tip, my last name is Cortez, just as theirs isn't Ingra or Carl or Han. My last name is Cortez, 
Ocasio-Cortez, full stop, that's my name. No, you can't say Cortez. I never use that in my life. Cortez is preferred to someone else, even if they're trying to be rude or wrong. My dad's last name was Ocasio anyway. His name was hyphenated too. And then she goes on to a whole Latinx, you fucking xenophobes. We do both names, blah, blah, blah. She appears to be spreading false information about Fox hosts. Grabby and media founder Tom Elliott looked into the claim and found that over the last month, Ingram and Hannity have not once referred to the congresswoman as Cortez. You may be unsurprised, unsurprised to learn that this is untrue. I checked every mention of Cortez on the Ingram angle in March and didn't find the Ingram angle referring to Kaiser Cortez as Cortez with a Z. On 314, Rabbi Ario Spiro said Cortez and her quartet. But Laura never did. He responded to the rep in Wednesday's tweet. Just checked Sean Hannity, whom she says accused of essentially hate crime, like Laura Hannity did not refer to Ocasio-Cortez as Cortez once in the month of March. She mentioned 20 times in one episode, but every time correctly. Factless. But here's a fact. Ocasio-Cortez because that's how her name's spelled, and I'm going to say it that way forever, still hasn't paid tax bill for failed business. If true, she will blame the conservative media. Brook Avenue Press, a company set up in Bronx to publish books about city children, owes $1,877.56 in unpaid corporate taxes. The state slapped the company with a warrant on July 6, two months after AOC announced her candidacy to run against the Democratic incumbent Joe Crowley for the district and company's part of Queens and the Bronx. Public records show that the state dissolved the company in October 2016, which can happen when a business fails to pay corporate taxes. She knows. She's not paying. Yeah. But why do they go this route? Why do they go after the Electoral College? Because we got more. Electoral College was conceived in sin and meant to keep black people down, says Steve Cohn. Yeah. He's a representative for Tennessee. He needs to be punched in his fucking head. Well, maybe it's this. This is from The Hill. Uh, yesterday, majority say they're reopening. They're, re, they're sorry. They're open to reelect Trump. Majority. Moody Analytics, another one from Politico, has run twelve different models combining economic and political data. Real Donna Trump will would win reelection in all of them, mostly by a lot. How Trump is on track for a 2020 landslide. Economics models point to Trump's blowout in 2020, but a faltering economy or a giant scandal could change everything. That's why every headline on CNN yesterday as they went to breaks, oh, it's down due to this and the worry of recession. We'll hear people just shooting for recession now because they're pissed. So enough on this fucking shit. Let's go into hate tweets. And as we go into hate tweets, here's a Dem that actually went on Morning Joe and said that the media are agents of the Republican Party. Yeah. You were one of the first people, if not the first person, to go out criticizing her remarks. And I had to say, Nancy Pelosi and the House Democrat, the Democrats, the leadership, came together in a very strong way. Well, yeah. you've got the guy running the Republican Party right now in the House of Representatives who was spitting out 
anti-Semitic tweets during the campaign. Absolutely, and you didn't see any member of the Republican Party take responsibility for that Nobody. or criticize for that. And that's what my issue is with them. We don't see any leadership. None. Donald you know, Trump, by the way, puts a stack of $100 bills and stamps the star of David on the you, you see pictures of Janet Yellen, you know, looming over it. Um, this is the issue, though, also with the media, okay? You know, the, mm -hmm. the coverage of this on the Democratic side has been incredibly disproportionate. Uh, when Minority Leader uh, McCarthy made these comments last year when he tweeted out mm -hmm. about uh, Jews pulling Bloomberg, the strings, right, right. we didn't see members of the press camped outside of his office. So it's undoubtedly that the press is acting as if they're agents of the Republican Party so, right now. That's a part of life. But, but just one, one more point yeah. here. The Republican Party is focusing on this as much as they can because they have zero ideas, zero plans they for how getting, they can they pursue help, a better America. Uh, from, uh, from Representative Omar continues. Uh, you're you're the pundit. That's for you to decide. No, I'm not a pundit. They're, they're, I'm, I'm just you're a pundit. You're, you're just a pundit. I'm a dumb country lawyer. But, oh. but, but AOC, didn't AOC come out and say that anybody calling her remarks anti-Semitic were way off? Look, I, I'm not an avid follower of AOC's tweets, no. um, but what I will tell you is, is that those comments caused hurt, mm -hmm. and, and they I'm were anti-Semitic. And I'm a member of Congress. I said that they, I said yeah. that they were anti-Semitic in nature. I didn't call her an anti-Semite. I said that they were anti-Semitic in nature, and I stood up and I took responsibility for mm -hmm. them, and I apologized for them because they came out of Congress. This shouldn't be news yeah. that someone did this. This should be run-of-the-mill stuff. Okay. And that's it's really responsible of you to do that, and I appreciate that. Um, this was you're always there. Ilana, Thank you. you and I, <laughs> now here goes. Nice. We're tight. Um, the uh, this is the third anti-Semitic row in as many months. Um, there was an effort on the part of the Democratic Caucus to condemn it, to say these are anti-Semitic remarks. We're going to sure. condemn them, isolate them individually. Uh, that effort was killed internally by the Democratic Caucus. It became an all hate matters resolution, in, in essentially saying that. Everything matters, so this is sort of a dilution of that of that resolution. Who killed that resolution? Talk about a talk caucus. about a biased question. The, yeah. The, when this is a biased question. When Congresswoman Omar made those comments that same day or the day prior, there was a very very public threat made against her life. There's in, an incredible rise of Islamophobia in this country. I represent one of the largest Muslim communities in America. So, do you if, really on uh, Staten Island? Uh, no, and and in South Brooklyn. And South Brooklyn. Um, okay. So, if you don't think that that was an opportune moment for us to stand up and say, certainly we object to acts of anti-Semitism, but certainly we also object to acts of Islamophobia, then you know we can chew gum and walk at the same time. And that was the right thing to do. So, Absolutely. So you think it was appropriate for the Democratic Caucus to I withdraw think, its original that, resolution? No, no, no. Look, 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 look. You, you must talk to more Democrats than I talked to about this backroom stuff, withdrawing this, withdrawing that. What I saw was a resolution that pronounced an objection and opposition to acts of hate as they rise across the country, particularly anti-Semitism and Islamophobia, things that really hit my the day!
And Joe has a column in the Washington Post this morning. It's number one on the site, so no, it's I, heavily read. Um, no, but it's because it touches on I mean, what we're seeing happening here and how troubled so many are. Uh, I disagreed with Obama, but what Trump has done makes those differences insignificant. He writes in part this. Last week's slaughter of Muslims in New Zealand was allegedly committed by a fascist who claimed to draw inspiration from President Trump, among others. It was the latest in a long line of tragedies that our president failed to clearly condemn. After the 2017 riots in Charlottesville, Trump proclaimed a moral equivalence between neo-Nazis and their opponents. Following the killings in Christchurch, the president dismissed the threat of white supremacy while claiming the rising tide of violence coming from the far right was limited to a few troublemakers with very serious problems. That's why any policy differences I had with Obama now seem so insignificant. Americans who still have faith in the upward arc of Martin Luther King's moral universe should be grateful for Obama's presidency and the way his election exposed the white racism that is still at large in our land. If changing the Constitution and re-electing Obama two more times would break the fever that now ravages Trump's Washington, I would cheerfully champion the passage of that constitutional amendment, slap a hope and change sticker on my shirt, and race to the nearest voting booth to support the man historians will remember as the most significant president since Abraham Lincoln. I had to wait till my aunt passed away to write that. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> and yes, my dad. They're up in heaven going, what the hell? But we're up, what against, the hell? We're up against the reality of Actually, what really exists in America now. Well, so, so it's been exposed. I'm so glad you all brought up the fact that we are going to be a non-white country, majority non-white country, because I think everything that's happening right now can be explained by that. I, I really do. And I, Barack Obama's coalition in 2008 really was the coalition of the future. It's just taken... But some it, parts of that coalition thought Barack Obama's election meant that like racism was over in the United States. Right. Clearly, right. your column shows that racism is not over. Clearly, what we're seeing is that racism is not over. But I think the question is, like, have we missed the boat on trying to bring the country together? I mean, the United States didn't mm. do like a Truth and Reconciliation Commission right. like South Africa did, which is a different situation and had a majority black population. But how is there any way to credibly have that conversation, especially if you have a president who doesn't who who doesn't really seem to think words matter? Yeah, like, don't I, you need someone at that level to lead such a conversation? Well, I have an optimistic Good. last chapter in the sense that you're. All so I got to get all the way to the end. <laughs> yeah, to just skip the first eight chapters. Yeah. Yeah. Chapter nine. I mean, you're all right in that. You know, we face major challenges. Polarization is very uh, deeply rooted, but we shouldn't give up and we shouldn't think there's nothing we can do because. We have to analyze the root causes of polarization, which is the loss of economic opportunity, the fact that education is so expensive. My mother was an employee at the university that I attended. But can I My stop tuition for a was $150. Unemployment, though, and this is what's so disturbing about the racism that's out there right now. And you're exactly right, and that's what I say in the column. We all, most of us, fooled ourselves into believing that the first black man being elected ever in a majority white country meant we were moving past the scourge of slavery and Dred Scott and everything else. But, you know, right now, this is happening with unemployment below 4%. All of this is happening with a very strong economy. Mm. And still, this racial unrest is bubbling up, and the president is using uh, his uh, racism.
But the problem Actually, is that national unemployment support. is 3.8%, but there are big parts of America that are not sharing in that prosperity. Mm -hmm. There are no jobs. There's no future. The children are having to go to the cities just to find uh, uh, employment. And so there's a deep bitterness out there from all those people who feel like they, they are left behind. They don't like the status quo. They're angry. Uh, my sisters, when I talk with them, they support Trump because they don't like the status quo, either in terms of values or uh, economics. So it's really a combination. And they like Trump's status quo? I could, I'm asking my, my family members this so by pretending like I'm asking your family members. And then what they like? I try and There's talk. There's a horse in, in the, the hospital. hospital. Mulaney. That's a John Mulaney. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Mika. Uh, yesterday, something happened here that was pretty, uh, pretty interesting. We had Mayor Pete on. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh! And following that was Mayor quite an Pete, event. Yep. Meek and I, at least, I don't know about you, Willie, yes. got more texts, more calls, more emails just from <laughs> randos I hadn't talked to since oh. middle school. <laughs> no, from everybody. Uh, this is why I'm not on Facebook, right? Um, no, I don't want to remember what we did in eighth grade. Um, but uh, we just got inundated with calls by people saying, this guy is the real thing. We love Mayor Pete. I think there is a, a hunger for somebody who seems and feels and sounds and looks completely real and connected with what we're looking for. A connection to history, a connection to who we are, a connection to faith that is honest and upfront. This is who I am and this is what I'm going to bring to the table. And he does it. Um, and he, you know, we, we did rapid fire with him, tried lots of different angles, and he was right there for everything. My phone had everything from my Republican sister-in-law to, you know, a extremely far-left best friend, and everybody loved him, and they kept texting me about him all day. Yeah, got, got a lot of them, but he was so insightful, and I guess the good news is uh, that actually being insightful, being knowledgeable about the issues... And also having a, a, a good positive spirit actually still counts for something in politics. And he is so well versed on so many issues. He he had some riff yesterday where he was explaining why politics is more like Homer's Odyssey than Finnegan's Wake, and it went on for. So he's a, he's a smart guy. I do guy. that, and Mika falls asleep. <laughs> well, that's true. It's your delivery, really. That's uh, <laughs> I, uh, I I was surprised by the number of Republicans who reached out yeah. to me saying yeah. I'm going to support him because I'm mm. looking for someone. And in I pop culture terms, in po this is a little bit like. Archie Bunker versus Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. Right. Archie right. Bunker's president. So we're going to enjoy Aaron Sorkin like. Yeah, the freaking start stretching before these podcasts. I think I threw, I pulled a freaking vocal cord. That was Mojo. Obama's the best. Trump is the best. Trump's Archie Bunker. And once again, that's a media conservative. That's a conservative. Then we have the SPLC. Understand, hateful anti-haters, SPLC undergoes sexism and racism of review. I want you to understand why I put that in hate tweets. I'm not re-reporting the same thing I already reported. No media talked about it. No media. They just, they ignored it. It's like it didn't even fucking happen. Okay, for transparency... I just blew my nose and realized I did it during the podcast. I went back and listened to it, so I took it off. That's the first time I've done that. I usually don't edit when I fuck up, but that was a major fuck up. And then another a beautiful fucking hypocrisy in 
I, I could put it in hate tweets, but I, or inside a, our violent left section, but I put it here. Wow, can't believe Talia Levin would call for nuking New York Times op-ed writer. And I'm illegally permitted to nuke its author from space. Now, who's Talia Levin, you say? Talia Levin now works for the NYU. And she is the piece of shit that called an American hero a Nazi. The disabled guy? Yeah, she now works at NYU. She's also running a Patron to make money on top of her job. Because she got fired from her job, but NYU brought her in. Just like they brought in that fucking piece of shit, Lauren Duca. So tell me our colleges aren't rat-fucked. Huffington Post is our next one. They went after Dana Loesch. My oldest boy turns 18 today. I'm so proud of the young man. Huffington Post, Harley and Julian seriously wrote an entire article going after my child's birthday cake on his birthday. Ask me again why I'm justifiably critical of so many in the media. I mean, what the fuck? So to our tweets of the day, this section is much smaller than I thought it was, so I apologize. Alabama bill would allow tax refunds to fund border wall. And then we have our New Zealand stuff. Jesse Kelly, New Zealand banning guns, censoring videos, and censoring books in the wake of mass shootings is exactly why you should be grateful for the American Constitution. Reactionary politics crush liberty, and it's why leftists despise the Constitution. It is a perfect fucking tweet on the subject, because even they know it's fucked up, because Matt in Oregon sends us New Zealand angst. Gun owners surrender 37 of 1.2 million firearms. Bookstores ban Jordan Peterson, but not Mein Kampf. There you go. Even they know it's bullshit. Wendy Hogue has our next tweet of the day, before we do our vol- our audio one. Your vote in these states will no longer matter if Elizabeth Warren and the Democrats successfully eliminate the Electoral College. Listen to this list, liberals. Alaska, Alabama, Arizona, Arkansas, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Hawaii, Idaho, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, uh, Minnesota, Montana, um, Missouri, New England, Nevada, New Hampshire, New Mexico, North Dakota, Oklahoma, Oregon, Rhode Island, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Utah, Vermont, Virginia, Washington, West Virginia, uh, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. Wouldn't matter. You don't have that many electoral college. They'll go after Texas, California, New York, Florida. That's it. He who wins those, wins. Yeah. But our tweet of the day as we go into our violent left. Once again, this is a five-minute section, which is kind of silly, but I had no place to put these and I wanted to cover them. This is from Paul Martinez, Another Day in Trump's America. It's not as good audio, but it's basically showing people taking care of other people. And I thought that was just perfect. So it's our tweet of the day. And now we go into my favorite section that I pushed back to the back because of Mueller, the violent left. 
I'm right up here on the left. Actually, the road's closed, so you can turn around in the driveway at the bottom of the hill. Have a good night. Face to face with 16 year old high school. Is this right now? Go! Keep going! Go! Keep going! Go! just a matter of time before we saw something like this and I'm really surprised that we haven't seen uh, something worse people always ask what does it mean to make America great again measures that have come so quickly before even all of the victims of last Friday's terror attacks have even been buried. Christine, Dave? Of course, no action here in the United States. The swift action in New Zealand just just really puts into sharp contrast here the United States and, and how many terrible mass shootings we have had in this country and there's been little action. And this is what the Washington Post said in an opinion piece from its editorial board in Washington. The modest push for universal background checks for gun purchases that passed the White House faces an uphill struggle in the Senate and veto threats from the White House, even though it has the support of most Americans. Once again, the U.S. political system looks feckless compared with other democracies. What do you make of that? 
You know, it's insane, I think, to uh, consider the contrast between what we were seeing in the House three weeks ago, which was not an overwhelming support for universal background checks, but a pretty easy margin for House Democrats in passing that in their chamber. Um, President Trump, of course, it was not... Uh, two days after the Parkland mass shooting last uh, last February, that he told lawmakers that he would very much support universal background checks. He even floated the idea of raising um, the gun ownership age from 18 to 21. And, um, you know, when those contrasts are studied with a place like New Zealand, which doesn't experience nearly as many mass shootings as we do, you have to wonder if our lawmakers, one, are not just kind of grappling with the constitutional or lobbying implications anymore of passing um, gun control Mm -hmm. in any way, but if it's more just about we've become numb to it. I thought after Sandy, I thought after Sandy Hook that there would be something done. I think we all did. Those those are children. Those children would now have been middle schoolers. Mm-hmm. And there's been no meaningful move forward. So it just shows New Zealand and the U.S. are very, very different on yeah, this. Don't hold your that. breath on, on gun legislation here. Welcome to our viewers in the United States and all around the world. This is New Day. It's Thursday, March 21st, 6 o'clock here in New York. Allison is off. Erica Hill joins me. And we are waking up to breaking news. Thousands of miles away that will stir new debate and controversy here in the United States. The government of New Zealand announced a ban on all military-style semi-automatic weapons, assault rifles, and high-capacity magazines. This action comes just six days after the terror attack there that relied on these capabilities to massacre 50 people praying in two mosques. Six days. By comparison, the murders at an Aurora, Colorado movie theater were in July 2012. Sandy Hook Elementary School, December 2012. San Bernardino, 2015. The Pulse nightclub, June 2016. Las Vegas, October 2017. Sutherland Springs in November of 2017. Parkland and Pittsburgh last year. In most cases, years ago, as opposed to days ago. And those looking for new measures to battle gun violence in the United States argue they have seen little here but stalemate and inaction. And again, what's interesting here is the contrast to what is happening in New Zealand in just a few days as opposed to the United States where very little has happened despite years of these types of attacks. Again, what's notable here, without taking sides on on gun violence prevention, what's notable here is the speed with which New Zealand uh, is taking action here. Six days after a mass shooting, 12 years ago, I mean, sorry, six years ago was Aurora. So, you know, the United States much slower if it takes any action at all. Why is it that it's so difficult to even have a conversation about common sense gun legislation? That seems to be something that sets people off and they say, no, 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 stop, stop. I can't even have the conversation. Why? Well, you use the term common sense. I think there's a lot of different views about what common sense means. To some people, common sense is banning guns or confiscating guns. To people who believe in gun ownership, that wouldn't be common sense at all. And so even that terminology, I think, is is relatively divisive. I think. But the idea that weapons of war um, should belong on the streets uh, in, in America anywhere, I just think is uh, a little far-fetched. New Zealand is taking drastic action on gun laws less than a week after a shooter's rampage killed 50 people. But will it inspire change in the U.S. as well? And- 
The Prime Minister's proposed changes in gun laws are in stark contrast to the U.S. In the last six years, you can see that the amount of mass shootings uh, where an AR-15 was used. And that ban is effective immediately. That stands in stark contrast to what has happened, or more accurately, what has not happened here in America. Uh, the four deadliest mass shootings in the U.S., Virginia Tech, almost 12 years ago, uh, the most recent shooting at that concert in Las Vegas, almost a year and a half ago, all of this with little significant action afterward. And even though, according to a recent poll, 67% of Americans support policies similar to those just passed in New Zealand. Rick Nowak is a Washington Post reporter who examined why this type of ban was possible and so quickly in New Zealand but faces so many hurdles here in the States. Rick, nice to have you on there from uh, all the way in Berlin. You tell me. And it opens just the conversation in this country really quickly because of all the mass shootings we've had uh, to see a politician in that country. And of course, maybe not the same constitutional constraints that they have in New Zealand the way we do with our Second Amendment. But it just demonstrates that in the wake of a strategy, if there is leadership, political leadership, Results and actions can actually. I mean, be think taken. about the amount of shootings that we have had in this country and the consistency to which these shootings have taken place, and how many conversations we have had on air, even, yeah. about the fact that the gun laws need to change, something needs to happen in this country, and yet literally nothing has changed. March 14th. Just a couple of days ago, here's what happened for Newtown. The gunmaker Remington can now be sued. Courts ruled the gunmaker Remington can now be sued over how it marketed uh, the rifle that used to kill 20 kids. Mm. Just on March 14th. Remember when Newtown happened? That was a long time ago. And now they can actually sue Remington. That decision just came down. And yet here you have Jacinda Arden making this uh, bold move here just a week later. Unbelievable. New Zealand's quick action in the wake of that tragedy is raising questions in this country about how difficult it is to move any new gun regulations forward on a national level. New York Congresswoman, Democrat, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she tweeted, Sandy Hook happened six years ago, and we can't even get the Senate to hold a vote on universal background checks. Christchurch happened, and within days, New Zealand acted to get weapons of war out of the consumer market. So the Congresswoman, Dana, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez, She put it plainly. New Zealand acted in six days. This country hasn't acted in years. Uh, We should note, not only did they act swiftly, this law that was just laid out there, three weeks. It's going to go into effect in three weeks. Dana, do you see anything changing the equation here? Well, the short answer is no, Craig. Uh, you know, I, I certainly agree with uh, AOC and her uh, uh, her views on this. I mean, unfortunately, in this case, uh, we live in a different system where uh, uh, it's not a parliamentary system. We don't have somebody who just gets to make a decision and the rest of the government goes along with it as long as the, uh, her party supports that. We have constitutional uh, obstacles. Uh, but it is outrageous that uh, all we hear, uh, you know, it's become this cliche, thoughts and prayers, uh, but it's not enough because it's not doing anything uh, to stop this uh, from happening. And there's a whole bunch of uh, uh, intrinsic obstacles to this. Public opinion uh, here is very much in support of the same sort of thing uh, that New Zealand is doing. It's just our system uh, does not permit it, and uh, uh, the obstacles are really entrenched. Uh, Robin, every town research tells us mass shootings that involve the use of high-capacity magazines resulted in more than twice as many fatalities and 14 times as many injuries on average compared to those that didn't. New Zealand has had just one major mass shooting. The United States, you know this better than we do, has had hundreds. 
I realize New Zealand is teeny tiny compared to the United States, but why on earth, when you look at these numbers, in your estimation, are we so far behind? I mean, it's just incredible when you consider the fact that one mass shooting happened in New Zealand and the prime minister and the leadership of that country immediately stepped up and took action. And they have done that in just six days. And you compare that to the leadership in this country where you get thoughts and prayers and empty promises and you don't see any action taken. So what when looking to address that, we're not going to do what New Zealand did. Uh, but we did pass legislation in the House uh, for the first time since, I think, 1994 that there's been any meaningful legislation. It's not going to the Senate. It's not going to the president. And that's the simplest of stuff. That's actually not even going to deal with the, the matter that you and I are discussing. That's just something that has broad agreement in America on more uh, rigorous background checks. We can't even get something on which there is broad agreement amongst most people in the country. So what should we look to New Zealand for inspiration in doing? Well, New Zealand showed us that they can do in six days what it's taken us so far uh, six years. I've been working on this since the Sandy Hook school shooting, and we've seen very little action from Congress. And that isn't because Americans don't support it. It's because there are few lawmakers who are beholden to the gun lobby. What is the difference between the efforts that are put forward by the gun lobby, the, uh, the, the lobby that, let's be honest, it is not a gun ownership lobby. It's the lobby of the gun manufacturers and the gun That's industry. Right. But we have lobbies from the pharmaceutical industry and from the insurance industry and historically from the financial industry, you know, uh, and the, the tech industry and the tobacco industry. Why is this so different? Well, you know, we also have something no other country has, which is the Second Amendment. And the NRA, uh, their leadership has worked to exploit that to make it into sort of a suicide. In short, every semi-automatic weapon used in the terrorist attack on Friday will be banned in this country. All right, joining me now, Shannon Watts, a gun control activist and founder of Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America. Shannon, I just want to, I want to go somewhere else with this because nobody in America has suggested uh, banning any guns, but we have so many guns in this country that it causes other problems, right? While mass shootings uh, get our attention because they're so, uh, they're, they're so tragic, um, in September, NBC published a report titled More Than 20,000 Americans a Year Killed Themselves with a Gun. It cites... That is our media calling for the removal of your guns, and then Veshi from MSNBC doing what they always do when they get called on it. Nobody's calling for the removal of your guns. That's just a montage of the media saying, we want the guns. To me, that is part of the violent left. They want to disarm you so they can control you. We then move on to the anti-Semitism. Move on. 74% of Move On members agree progressive 2020 presidential candidates should skip the APAC conference. And they did. Everybody skipped APAC. While they did it, the Nets, which I could play it, all the media, said that Trump was horrible because he put the Golan Heights as part of Israel because that's where they fire all their fucking rockets on them. And then... Tel Aviv gets attacked. That all happened at the same time that the media was saying that it's just for fucking horrible, horrible that Trump would want to be pro-Israel. Before the attacks, terrorist kills Israeli father of 12 and teenage Israeli soldier. Palestinians celebrate him as pure. 
in America, Muslim students has fired a Christian school to protest against Trump. True News, Jamal Hassan, a college student from Minneapolis, has been charged with intentionally setting four fires at St. Catharines University in St. Paul. Did you hear that? I didn't hear that. I sure the fuck didn't. But I did hear them ignore the following from Omar at her care conference. The other thing that is exciting to me to be in this room is that there are very fascinating people outside who for so many years have spoken about an Islam that is oppressive. An Islam that lessens and isolates its women. And today they gather outside to protest a Muslim woman who is in Congress. I mean, the irony, the irony in that is very entertaining to me. I know, I know many of them drove miles to get here, spent a lot of energy and resources and money to purchase the signs that they have. But I don't think any of them realize that people like myself and many of the people in this room can care less about what they have to say. So we all, we all kind of knew that this was happening. But the reason I think that many of us knew that this was going to get worse is that we finally have a leader, a world leader in the White House who publicly says Islam hates us, who fuels hate against Muslims, who think it is, it is okay. It is okay to speak about a faith and a whole community in a way that is dehumanizing, vilifying, and doesn't understand or at least makes us want to think that he doesn't understand the consequences that his words might have. Some people, like me, know that he understands the consequences. He knows that there are people that he can influence to threaten our lives, to diminish our presence. She's talking about pro-Israel protesters. That's how she talks about Jews. And the media ignored it. But they lost their minds on this from Vice President Mike Pence. Recently, a freshman Democrat in Congress trafficked in repeated anti-Semitic tropes. Alleged congressional support for Israel reflected an allegiance to a foreign country said that Israel had, and I quote, hypnotized the world. And she accused Americans who support Israel of being bought off by campaign contributions. Anti-Semitism has no place in the Congress of the United States of America. 
And at a minimum, anyone who slanders those who support this historic alliance between the United States and Israel should never have a seat on the Foreign Affairs Committee of the United States House of Representatives. For the record, I deleted 30 seconds of the first applause and one and a half minutes of the second applause. Media didn't like that. But I tell you one thing, folks. You and the media and the violent left resistance, you better hope Trump doesn't get impeached. Because if that man runs, America would landslide your fucking ass. Mike Pence is a great man. I'm looking forward to 2024. If for some reason Trump does pull it off, like a lot of experts are saying, not that I want Trump to be president, but I want to see the Democrats lose and the media lose, and I damn sure don't want any of their people in charge, Mike Pence would be a fantastic president. He's an honorable man. He's a Christian. We need to find Jesus in this country because we're just about fucked up. I know that doesn't sound very religious, but, you know, we're fucked up. But just the juxtaposition of Pence to Omar, I had to play that. Because that sums up the left. Why do Jewish people vote for Democrats? I think it's a serious question they need to ask themselves going into 2020. Why are you voting for a party that fucking hates you? All they care about is Islamists like Omar. Then we had this clusterfuck in Arizona. Kids protesting ICE members that were coming on to teach a class and the media ignored this. I don't know who allowed the murder patrol murderers into campus where I pay to be here and they allow murderers to be on campus where I pay to be here murderers on campus murderers on campus This is supposed to be a safe space for students, but they allow an extension of the KKK into campus. An extension of the KKK into campus. No, that's okay. Murder Patrol is here on campus. This is supposed to be a safe space for students, but we have the murder patrol here. How about you talk about slashing water? How about you talk about taking the shoes off migrants, letting them walk through the desert barefoot? How about you talk about all the graves of unidentified folks? There are students that pay to be here paid to be here that need this to be a safe space for them and we have the KKK and their supporters right here at the U of A. Welcome to sit in. Great, I can sit in the entire time. I'll just be saying that they're murderers the entire fucking time because it's the truth. They're murderers. And you as a club should be more conscious of the rest of the students on this campus and the students that need to be safe on this campus and maybe find a meeting place outside. No, I do not feel safe with them here. Nope, I'm going to stand. No. Oh, of course, white woman calling the police. White woman calling the police. If you don't feel safe... 
I will call the UAPD. You think the UAPD is going to make me feel safe? White woman and white man calling the police. Murder patrol, 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 murder they continued to do that for three more minutes of this video, and they totally disrupted the class. They are more honorable men than me, because I would have told her to shut her fucking dirty cock trap. Because the same time this was going on, Washington State deputy was killed by illegal immigrant, ICE says. Another deputy killed. But they're the murder patrol? Really? It's so bad on the border right now that the left wants to open up. They will stop detaining some illegal immigrants because there's nowhere to put them because the Democrats reduced the beds. More than 400 illegal immigrants apprehended within five minutes by border agents in Texas. It's an article from March 20th. They have video. They're all over the goddamn place. But what's the media touting? Oh, in the month of uh, February, only 65% of people uh, done by uh, apprehended by ICE had a fucking criminal record. The highest was 89 under Obama. But that's criminal record on top of the crime that they did to come in our country illegal that they don't count as a crime. But what does that say? You just validated Trump's statement there's a lot of murder and racists coming across the border. If 89%, on average, 78% of ICE detainees that they're grabbing have criminal records from the previous country, what does that say? They're criminals. Seriously, folks. What the fuck? Then we have this nugget. Chicago Police Union wants federal probe into Smollett case after Michelle Obama's former top aide contacted state attorney and is already tampering with the case. By the way, his lawyer, Garagos, is now indicted with, with, uh, whatever his name, Avante, or whatever the fuck his name is, in the Nike suit. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. Feminists caught stealing crosses from pole light display. The cops show up, and it goes a little something like this. Is there a reason why you're doing this? Because we disagree with it. Okay, but this isn't your property. Because we know that having a conversation isn't going to work. How do you know it's not going to work? Because I've been having this conversation for 28 years with you. So how, why are you taking your property? This is your property. This is ours. Yes, we have a permit to have this property. Just because you have a permit doesn't mean this property is yours. One of these officers can tell you that we have a permit to have these. That's cool. Can can you please put it down? Can you please give us back? Will you please give me it back? 
garbage on, on the school campus, but we've realized that apparently this is someone's property and you're telling us to leave it, I'm assuming. Correct. And they do okay. have a permit, like she was saying. Yeah. So if That's you could cool. give those back to them. Yeah. And can you, like, put them back, too? Yeah. The way you found them? I'm not really sure the way I found them, to be honest. You guys okay. laid them out, so. All right. Thank yeah. you. And our last violent left is two back-to-back sound bites. Dylan Byers coming on TV and mocking conservatives saying social media is suppressing them. It's followed by another James O'Keefe. Twitter engineer thinks Trump supporters' tweets are bots and you just delete them. Says they'll all be like God and America and with American flags and like crosses. Who talks like that? It's for sure a bot. That's the left, my friends. To a music break, news, social media nuggets. Dylan, are these legit concerns from the White House, uh, or is this platform simply abiding by rules and regulations and they're imperfect? Yeah, it's absolutely not a legitimate complaint from the White House. I mean, it's basically, with all due respect to the president and to Dan Scavino, it's basically the equivalent of when your sort of crazy uncle calls and, and, and tells you that there's a conspiracy theory against him because his computer isn't working. I mean, it's, it's effectively the equivalent of opening too many browsers on your screen and then your computer crashes. The appropriate response is not to keep trying to open browsers on your screen, but rather to just step away for an hour and then reboot it. Let's go to a random tweet and um, like just look at the followers. Yeah. It'll all be like guns, God, America. Like yeah. with the American flag and like the cross. Yeah, no, I'm really bad. Who says that? Who talks like that? It's, it's for sure a bot. Yeah. Or a redneck. Yeah. So can you get rid of them? Uh, I wouldn't know. Can you get rid of them? Um, yeah. Like, how do you do that? You just need them, but, like, the problem is there are hundreds of thousands of them, so you've got to, like, write algorithms that do it for you. Pranay Singh described how one Twitter algorithm removes users they believe to be bots, Russian bots. How do you know if it's a bot and not another person? Oh, you use machine learning. It's like a, uh, it's like an algorithm that you write where, like, Like, someone has, like, Trump in the name, like, or, like, conservative, or, like... America first. America. Yeah. yeah. Can you just, like, write algorithms? Are you sure you're not a programmer? That's the how you do it. What? She's a very smart... That's how you do it. That's exactly how you do it. Yeah, you look for Trump or America or any of, like, 5,000, like, keywords to describe a redneck. And then you look, and you, like, parse all the messages, all, like, the pictures, and then you look for, like, stuff that matches, like, that stuff. And like if it so like you you sign like a value to each thing, so like Trump would be like 0.5, like a picture of a gun would be like like 1.5, and like if it comes up the total comes up above like a certain value, then it's a bot. Weeding out fake users is an important tool for Twitter, but according to Pranay, this tool is not applied equally across the political spectrum.
Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC? Politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. If you don't watch yourself, you can get in a buttload of trouble. For instance, right see these girls? Yeah. No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls, and they'll pop your figs. Sad news to report. Pentagon ID Green Beret EOD specialist killed in Afghanistan. Specialist Joseph P. Collette, 29, of Lancaster, Ohio, and Sergeant First Class William D. Lindsay, 33, of Cortez, Colorado, were killed in Kunduz province as a result of of wounds sustained while engaged in combat operations. Colette was a member of the 242nd Ordnance Battalion, 71st Explosive Ordnance Disposal Group out of Fort Carson, Colorado. Um, the other guy was part of 2nd Battalion, 10th Special Forces. Uh, God be with their family. Um, 
no way to transition off this nicely, but SAS hero wipes out 30 ISIS terrorists with a grenade launcher. This article I would love to frickin' read, but I'm over on time, is just amazing. He ramboed these motherfuckers with a grenade launcher. Good for him. Sikorsky Boeing futuristic defiant rotocraft completes first flight. Now, we've been talking about the V-280 Valor, and I think that's the one's going to win from Bell, but this thing, I watched the video, that is a badass-looking helicopter. Uh, twin rotor on top. Unbelievable. Um, so I, I stick with this because I'm really interested in the next wave. you got to think, Blackhawks are from the 80s, folks. That, that's a long time ago. C-130s are from the fucking 60s. We need upgrades. American Taliban, John Walker Lynn, set to be released in May. Yeah, the piece of shit that was, you know, part of the Taliban. Remember that? Yeah, he's up for release in May. And if he gets released, I'm really going to get pissed. To show my point that liberals fucking hate soldiers, which has always given me an added reason to hate liberals, The Rock thanks Army Division for naming tank for him, then anti-military critics rip him. Soldiers in the U.S. Army's 1st Armored Division, 1st Cavalry Regiment, decided they would name one of their tanks in homage to the celebrity, The Rock. When he publicly thanked them, anti-military critics mauled him on social media. As Military Times reported, the 1st Armored Division Twitter site tweeted last week, If you smell what America's tank division is cooking, shout out to Iron Soldiers assigned to Blackhawk Squadron for naming one of their tanks in homage to The Rock. Hopefully the people's champ will see it and give you guys a shout out and a retweet. The El Paso Times noted the Blackhawk Squadron is the oldest cavalry squadron and regiment in the Army. A couple of days later, the Armored Division noted El Paso is falling in love with a tank named after film star WWE legend The Rock. Check out the KLAQ article about our Iron Soldiers with Blackhawk Squadron, 2nd Armored Brigade Combat Team, 1st AD. No word yet on what People's Champ thinks about the People's Tank. And they had this big article, and then The Rock. Salute and respects and gratitude to the Blackhawk Squadron 1st Armored Division for the honor of naming their tank Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Heavy duty and badass, but most importantly, thank you for your service. Hashtag Iron Squadron, hash Black Squadron 1st Armored Division. Good for him. He was. He wrote on Instagram, he's grateful to the bone. There were some who decried Johnson's enthusiastic response. Military Times reported, despite the playful mutual admiration between machine and human tanks, some Instagram users were less than pleased when Johnson's post unfollowing this superstar and decrying the rock a warmonger. USA Today noted one critic on Instagram stated, Well, I really like you as a person and everything, but what is a tank meant for? If it is to take the lives of human beings and others, then it's not admirable. I hope it won't be used. May God bless all peace and love. Not sure having the destructive weapon named after you is such a great honor. Maxim listed some of the other slams. Having a death machine named after you seems cool until it's used against beings that don't truly deserve it. Another one. I think they should name a few nukes after you and really get you excited. Maybe they'll make a new gun model to name after you that can one day be used against innocents. Or maybe just the bullets. Gosh, so many death machines out there. You must be stoked. Another one. Wow, get your name as a kill machine. Those poor people in some random oil-rich country ain't gonna know it. Hit them, Rock. You're obviously not stupid to know that you are representing what this machine could do. How are you okay with people getting killed with you, Dwayne Johnson? 
You're one of my favorite actors. So disappointed now seeing this. We keep making these machines to kill people. And you are proud of them. Has your name? Wow. But Military Times also noted an overwhelming number of users quickly rushed to counter these protests, however, and in a matter of minutes to start a seemingly innocuous social media post derailed into a royal rumble of what only The Rock could call a Rudy Poo candy-ass common thread. Some positive feedback for The Rock included, wasn't following you until I read about the backlash from your tweet. I'm against war, but I'm totally supportive of the troops there. The Rock, you got my support here for sure. Giving thanks to the troops is noble and nothing wrong with having your name on that. Your support of them makes us well-earned yourself. What the fuck is wrong with you liberals? Sweet Jesus. Bunch of fucking twats. To college crazy. College students oppose hiring of new safety officer because of conservative tweets he liked. Last month, the shared campus police department from Mount Holyoke and Smith College announced that it hired Daniel Hecht as a new police chief. Hecht had previously served as director of public safety. We don't give a fuck. The Mount Hope News website quoted the Xavier article from January 2018 that described Hecht as someone who believes the job as a police officer isn't confined to formalities, but affects needs to make made to engage with those you're sworn to protect. He latest liked tweets was from the director of student housing on Denison who tweeted a photo of herself and a friend in a campus gym saying they missed him. Despite this documented connection to the communities, he has served some uh, Holyoke students and hecked objectables because he appeared to lean to the right and supported President Donald Trump. Oh, there it is. No other opinions. He also liked a tweet by the NRA. Oh, sweet Jesus. We can't have those fucking heretics in here. College forced conservatives to advocate liberal cause. Now the case is going to a jury. This is the Feltner case. We've already covered it. It's going to a jury. It could only be awesome if it came back true. Because we all know it's happening. Unless you say liberal things, you don't get a good grade in college. UMass Amherst student claims he was denied student government seat for being a Republican. I genuinely believe the student government denied me on the basis of my political affiliation and Republican beliefs. And this article pretty much proves he's true. Yeah. The tolerant left. And then this one that just made my day. I jerked off to this. Not literally, but figuratively. New study says trigger warnings are totally useless, even if you've actually been traumatized. A new study in the journal Clinical Psychological Science, which I didn't know was a journal, claims that so-called trigger warnings, visible warnings placed as controversial material, and material that might cause post-traumatic stress disorder in individuals who experienced certain traumas. Jesus Christ, unless you've been to combat, take your PTSD and shove it up your ass. Robbie Slove at Reason Magazine reports that the study found that trigger warnings don't really leave anyone worse off, but they don't help matters either. Study participants received a trigger warning were just as bothered by traumatic words and images as participants who saw the words and images without any forewarning. Research showed 1,394 volunteers distressing content in video and written form with some of the volunteers seeing trigger warnings, such as trigger warning, the following video may contain graphic footage of fatal car crash. You might find this content disturbing. 
according to Metro UK. The researchers found the people's response to content was the same, whether or not they saw a warning or not. We, like many others, were hearing news stories week upon week about trigger warnings being asked for or introduced to universities around the world. Our findings suggest these warnings, though well-intended, are not helpful because these pussies are going to be pussies regardless of what the fuck you say. They only want to hear their world view. From the fucking chancellor down to the janitor, you must all be robots. No opposing views. We are not at a college to broaden our horizons and learn new things. We're at college to be programmed to be good little robots and believe that we're all going to die in 12 years. So we need to do the Green New Deal and put corks in cows' asses. Yep, that's what we need to do. Get on it. Get your fucking corks out. Amherst College releases insane common language document. This thing is exactly what we talk about. Certain words you'd use against capitalism, for queer stuff, the whole nine yards. You will only use these words. There is no post-feminism. It goes on and on and on. It's group think. Yeah. And we have this one. Remember Professor Attack for suggesting teens identified as trans after peer pressure? She's been vindicated. Woo! You gotta be kidding me. Colette's Canadian editor, Jonathan Kay, Lisa Littman, assistant professor of practice at Brown University School of Public Health, spoke on her article titled, Rapid Onset Gender Dysphoria in Adolescents and Young Adults, a Study of Parental Purports, which was originally published in the peer-reviewed journal, Plus One. After its publication, it was taken down. We talked about this. But as a result of the re-review, only a barely different, slightly modified version of the original paper was published by Plus One this week. Plus... P-L-L-O-S, I don't know, it's plus or plus, whatever, admitted, other than the addition of a few missing values in Table 13, the results section is unchanged in the updated version of the article. The competing interest statement and data availability statement have also been updated in the revised report. The abstract for the original paper read, In online forums, parents have been reporting that their children are experiencing what is described as rapid-onset gender dysphoria, appearing for the first time during puberty or even after its completion. The onset of gender dysphoria seems to occur in the context of belonging to a peer group where one, multiple, or even all the friends have become gender dysphoric and transgender identified during the same time frame. Parents also report that the children exhibit an increased social media internet use prior to disclosure of transgender identity, the purpose of the study was to document and explore the observations described the resulting presentation of gender dysphoria. Lippman explained the post-publication review process. Post-publication review was rigorous and included input from three senior staff members, a PLOS One editorial staff, a statistical reviewer, two academic editors, and an external expert reviewer. Basically, the GLAD company came in and tried to prove that they're wrong. GLAD being gays, lesbians, and whatever the fuck. The manuscript was meticulously evaluated and in response to resulting feedback changes were made. Kay noted the results from the original version of your paper are identical to the results reported in this republished version. Why was this republication even necessary? To a layperson, it seems that the new paper is just a restatement of the original. 
Lemmer responded, it was determined that the research needed to be reframed in a way to emphasize that this is a study in which the data was collected from the parents to expand the discussion about the limitation of parents' reports and to explicitly clarify rapid-onset gender dysphoria. It's not a clinical diagnosis. So what they did is they protected themselves from lawsuits from the fucking gay mafia. But it's still there because it's Common Sense 101. Straight edge, trans, gay, groupthink. It's all the same. How do I know? Parents refuse to facilitate sex change of autistic son... So authorities threatened to put him in foster care. This is from the UK. He's 14. He's autistic. He now all of a sudden wants to be a girl. They won't do it. So the state's talking about taking their kid away. Because they won't pump him full of fucking poison. Really? 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 Coming to a theater near you. I, it's probably already happened in America, but nobody's reporting on it. it. It's already happening. It's fucking pathetic. I mean, the proof is there. We just talked about it. These kids just want to be accepted. Being trans gets you preferential special treatment. It's the new thing. It's cool. Back when I was a kid... Being in a sport made you cool. Now, chopping off your dick makes you cool. Maybe we need to look at family values. I'm just throwing it out there. Here's another story to prove my point. Drag queen performs where two-year-old boy dances in skimpy outfits, spreads his leg and toddler face. All in New York. At the What's the Tea Drag Brunch at Talday, a restaurant. I'm sorry, in New Jersey. Hmm. And then scary shit from Germany. Muslim hijab educators and imams go to school and read to kindergarten children. In her own words, the woman says her goal is to bring the kids closer to Islam. This is already happening in schools where Christianity is all but banned. Do the math on that, boys and girls. And then come back to the United States. Victory! Parents sue San Diego School District for trying to force pro-Islam care propaganda on their kids. The Council on Islamic is whatever care, an un- unindicted co-conspirator, the largest terrorist funding case in U.S. history, slithered their way into San Diego School District shortly after the 2016 presidential election. In 2017, CARE introduced their anti-Islamophobia initiative, singled out Muslim students for special protections, and empowered Islamic CARE to change the district's curriculum to portray Muslims favorably. By that, don't talk about all the people they've killed. Okay. Good for those parents. Jesus Christ. Then we got this stupid shit. God, it's just never fucking end. It's just never fucking ending stupid on the left. HuffPo and San Antonio come together in back-to-back articles. HuffPost. Chick-fil-A is still donating to anti-LGBTQ groups. 
Is it their group called anti-LGBT? No, just religious groups, because it's a religious company. Then San Antonio, a motion has been made to approve the food, beverage, and retail prime concession agreement with Paradis La Garadre at San Antonio International Airport, provided that it would exclude Chick-fil-A from the concept. From an article, a 6-4 to four vote, with this decision, the city council reaffirmed the work our city has done to become a champion of equality and inclusion. San Antonio is a city full of compassion. We do not have room in our public facilities for a business with a legacy of anti-LGBTQ behavior. Once again, did they refuse gays from working? No. Do they fire gay people because they're gay? No. Do they take transgenders and strap them to a fence or drag them behind a truck? No. Do they do like the Muslims do and throw them off a fucking roof? No. Their owner just said, I'm for traditional marriage. No opposing views, boys and girls. Don't you think for your fucking self. Let the fucking Democrats do it. How do I know? United Airlines. Fly how you identify. Our new non-binary binary gender options are now available. They're going with MX. Mr. Mrs. Undisclosed or X Unspecified. United is determined to lead the industry in LGBT inclusivity and we are so proud to be the first U.S. airline to offer these inclusive booking options. Well, look at you. Tweets to this that cracked me the fuck up. I identify as a shape-shifting reptile and I demand a window seat. (laughs) Other one, which is what I first, the first thing I thought of was this. How exactly does that affect how a human buttock fits in an airplane seat? Do you get a bigger seat because you're an it? Another one. I identify as non-existent. Therefore, I should fly for free. Yes, you're right. Just call me upgraded to first class, bitches. But then somebody brings a pain on this concept. Passports must match the birth certificate. So this should be interesting. So unless your fucking birth certificate says fucking unicorn, how do you fly as an it? Anybody out there? Jesus fucking Christ. You know, this is like the stupid fucking Citibank ads. Do you really think showing two gay ladies fucking lady in the tramp and a bowl of fucking noodles is going to get them to come use your credit card and unite it. Do you think that it's are not going to go, I'm going to fly because you got it as a classification. And what does your business model say that you're going after .06? That .06 is really going to put us over the top this quarter, Jim. Oh yeah. We're going to do Gay Wednesdays where gay people get first class seats because that will get us another 4.5% of the population to come do it. Yeah, that's a business model. Why don't you go after the other 94.9% of America? How about those people? We're going to fly you and the plane's not going to crash. That's the motto I'm looking for. 
to our lighter fare given to me by, please God, let this be right, Matt in Oregon. I don't remember the name because I just downloaded it, so apologize for the person that did this content. Men are having babies. This is a good one. Thanks, Matt. Okay, so the first man ever in history has given birth to a baby. I am a man and I am actually pregnant. Oh my freaking God. Like that is gross. You got a happy trail sweat. Did you see the sweat? The sweat. Freaking guys dripping. Put some deodorant on. Hippie. I identify as a transgender male. Oh, so you're a... Wait, you're, you, I'm confused. Why meet with transitioning from female to male when he became pregnant? So you're a woman, another woman had a baby. Big fucking deal. I knew it. I was like, how is this going to happen? A guy is going to shoot a baby out of his pee hole? It's going to, ah. I have always felt uncomfortable in my, you know, female born body. I mean, I was always uncomfortable when my dad Smack the shit out of me for saying dumb shit. You were born with the vagina. Deal with it. It was a question. Can you get pregnant? Yeah, because she has a vagina. They taught us that shit in eighth grade. And quit calling her he. It's a chick, man. These bohemian boyfriends live an unconventional life on their converted bus in Texas. We bought it a couple months back. And this is where we live, uh, our friend's backyard. No shit. You live in a bus in your friend's backyard. You're a chick dude with a baby with another dude vegan. This is fucked. Let me off. Let me off the planet now. I want off. I always wanted to be a father. And, you know, even though it happened this way and it wasn't planned, you know, I was just like. You were just like, what? You're still not a father. You're a mom, dickhead. Congratulations, world. We're all going to hell. I am so happy that the baby's healthy, but can we just put this in perspective? Mom and a dad, they had a baby. The mom is a dude. They live in a bus in the backyard. Just like, you know what? Whatever. Whatever. Well, this is where we're at now. I'm going to go walk in traffic. Good shit. Which brings us to one from Zach in Tennessee. This is where I live. I've been told to take better care of the environment. It shows a typical Tennessee field with the 1,000-pound round hay bales. On the bottom, to complete the sentence, this is where I live. I've been told to take better care of the environment by people who live here. It's a picture of a smog-coated New York City. And I thought that was just fucking hilarious because it's so true. We're we're told by we're told by people that live in cities that can't even fucking breathe and have fucking air quality alerts. How to live? Looking pretty good where I'm at. We take care of the fucking climate. I mean, there's some fart cows. I mean, I don't know what to do about that. Oh yeah, corks. Which brings us to This is America, and this is totally a different one. I could have played all sorts of negative shit today, but I watched this and was just blown away. This is from Keg Trump. 
Some guy retweeted it. I don't follow him. It's called Greg Norberger. Why lib teenagers should not vote. One of three parts. Watch all three. It only gets better. Kudos for that officer to remain so calm throughout her tirade. I seriously doubt I would would have. She definitely is due for a high dose of reality. She's been brainwashed for sure. And it goes a little something like this. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the last soundbite. Like the media say when they are pushing fake liberal agenda stories. This is America in 2019. But we told you he's an Article 4 free inhabitant, so he does not have to have a license. This is on recording. Article 4 free inhabitant pursuant to the Articles of Confederation. You can look it up. It's in the United States Book of Codes. It is your laws you have to follow. All right. I'll, okay, I will do that. I'm walking back here. Article 4 free inhabitant pursuant to the Articles of Confederation. Put the camera down for me. Is that, if, if, if it records, that's fine. Hmm. But I don't want you holding anything. Uh, no weapons. No weapons. All right. No. Okay. So what I'm going to ask you to do is the same thing. And get out of the car? Yes. No, I'm not getting out of the car. Right. You can go get your superior. Well, I am going to tow this car, and you cannot be in the vehicle while I'm towing this vehicle. Well, if you go get your superior, he'll clarify right that he can be set free because he does not That's have to not have a license. not going to happen right now, young lady. So either you're going to come out of the car on your own free will, or I'm going to assist you. I'm going to get out of the car and walk down to that house. No, you are not free to leave right now. You Are you saying you have authority over me? Yes, I do. You have proven authority over me? Yes, I do. How did you do that? The County of Imperial through the sheriff. You do not have authority over a human being, right. over well, a free you know inhabitant. What? Do you want to argue the point? You need to go look up your I laws. I don't have to look at anything right now. What I need to do is get you out of the vehicle. If you have identification, please hand the identification over to me. No. Identify yourself to me. And I'm not going to step out of the vehicle. All right. Well, you know, you are impeding my investigation. You are delaying me, which is a penal code violation in the state of California. That law only applies to U.S. citizens. Well, where are you a citizen of? I am not a U.S. citizen. Well, see, that's I am a mistaken. free inhabitant. I am that's of the earth. I do not belong to any corporation. I do not belong to any country. Yeah, but as no. long as you're in the sovereign states of the United States, you will abide by the rules no. and laws. See, uh, and you have a free in, no, a free inhabitant is is is. Uh, they are allowed to. They are. They're free people. They um, have all of the all of the rights of a U.S. citizen without following any of their laws. Well, that would just be pure anarchy nope. if that were the case. No, no, because so we're peaceful people. Oh, we're peaceful people. Place. You go, go ask, go call them up and ask them, and, and they'll tell you exactly what I'm talking about. Well, I don't know who to call. Your superior. Well, I am a superior to a, to a, a certain extent. So call your superior. Well, it's going to take. a... Then we're going to have to solve it some other way. All right. We just need to. You need to call in, tell them I'm a free inhabitant, and find out what well, that is. Well, I am going to tow this vehicle, young lady. So you cannot be in this vehicle. I understand that. So I'm to. All right, then I'm going to get out of the vehicle and I'm going to walk down to that house no, because you do not have authority no, over not. me. Well, then I'm not getting out of the vehicle. No, you're not. Why? You're not free to leave. Why? As soon as I conclude the rest of my investigation, you will be free to leave. As far as I know, you have not done anything wrong at this point, but you are slowly. Reaching okay, to that point, you know to 148 PC. I'll get out of the vehicle for you. I will get out of the vehicle. I'm getting All right. Well, you're not free to leave. I'm, I, 
bag. You're going to take the bag off. No, no, I'm not. Take the bag off. No, I'm not. Hey, this is you're raping me. This is rape. This is rape. This is rape. Relax your arms. It's relaxed. Stop fighting with it's me. It's relaxed. Stop fighting with me. Stop fighting. All right. Okay. I'm not fighting. Send it to you. Five, six. I got a combative exit. Here, I'm lifting my arm up. I'm lifting my Leave arm your up. your arm right It hurt. Okay, I just, I told you what I was doing. This is pain compliance, okay? It's not meant to be comfortable. This is illegal. Do I have your attention? This is completely illegal. No! I can't. You're not putting me in the car. You can wait till you get to Superior. You are not taking my bag off. You can handcuff me with my bag on. You're right. I will. Relax. I'm relaxed. Don't touch my bag! You got me my bag! You're going to get in so much trouble, you son of a bitch! You're going to get sued! You don't even know what you're doing! I'm telling you, I'm going to fucking sue you! Stop. What's your name? Our Godona, our fucking Godona, you're gonna get arrested. You're gonna get fucking. Oh my god, you don't, you don't know your own laws. Relax, young you lady. You don't know your own laws. Relax, young lady. I can't believe you just did this. You need to calm down. You're gonna get in trouble. You don't know your own laws. Calm down. You're illegally doing this. I told you I was a free inhabitant. Calm down. You are illegally doing this. Young lady, calm down your own laws calm down you're illegally doing this i told you i was a free inhabitant calm down you are illegally doing this young lady calm down you are illegally doing this i told you this is against my will you did this illegal you cut my bag all right you're under arrest no i'm not no i'm not give me my stuff relax no you're leave me alone you can't have this big camera right? you can go get your superior i will go get anywhere. and i'm Put waiting right, right here go get your fucking superior you son of a You need to calm down. You need to fucking learn your goddamn job because you don't know your fucking laws. Go get your superior and go okay. get your fucking laws. Let's go. No. It goes well with our main theme today, which was supposed to be, before the Mueller report, the Charlotte Alter line. These are people that don't like being told what to do and believe they know fucking everything and they're better than everybody else and they've had such a raw deal and they need to lash out society. But it pairs very well like a good Chablis with some fucking cheese for you foo-fooers in the world. Doubt many of you listen to my podcast, but there's a lot of foo-fooers eating some brie with our media tirades because they were wrong. And our law enforcement has to put up with that all the time. I've always wanted to get a piece off a of live PD. I've never been able to get one because they don't really post all of it. But it's perfect. It sums up how they act towards law enforcement. And they have to put up with that shit all the time. It's fucking unbelievable. That kind of insolence. And where did it start? Yeah, you know what I'm going to say. Obama. He woke a whole generation up that cops are bad. Cops are not to be trusted. Cops are evil people. 
And it's a damn shame. Because that's what got us Antifa, that's what got us BLM, that's what got us all this fucking questioning America. I've said it a million times. It is supposed to be us versus them. Us being the people questioning our freaking elected officials if they're doing their job. But there's a big difference between questioning why the fuck did Obama set a C-130 full of cash to Iran, a sworn enemy that wants to fucking wipe Israel off the map, and us, and questioning every authority figure and claiming craziness like that. I pair it with two back-to-back articles that came out that once again show how divorced from American ideals the progressive movement is. The first one is Deadspin Prayer. May God not allow liberty bigots to win. This is in basketball. Liberty University is a den of bigotry masquerading as a Christianity, and I'm dreading the scenario in which they go on an aspiring NCAA tournament run, thereby bringing them heaps of breathless coverage on a national scale. Dear God, I pray that Liberty lose to Virginia Tech on Sunday night. Could you say that about Islam? Allah! Praise be Allah. I hope ISIS gets wiped off the fucking map. Could you write that down? Anywhere. But not to be outdone, OutSports extends anti-Christian attack to In-N-Out Burger because they fed Liberty basketball team. That's how unhinged they are, and once again, how they hate Christians. The same people that don't want to impeach Trump and put a real Christian in the White House because the vice president become president. That's what they write about a basketball team. But that pales in comparison to this story that quantifies, and I used to have Tony Reid is right, my statement on progressives and abortion. It's got blue eyes. I don't want it. I want a girl. I don't want it. Woman pregnant with quadruplets wants abort the boy babies. It's a real thing. Me and my husband are distraught that this is our reality. We went home and tried to figure it out. From our latest scan, we know we have identical twin girls and two fraternal boys in there. If we go through with the selective abortion, which we most likely will, I brought up that I would like to keep the two girls as they are identical twins. I hope they have twin bond. And also, to be honest, I've always wanted girls. What the fuck is wrong with you? God blessed you with four children. Oh, you don't believe in God. There it is. Okay. I said God. What the hell was I thinking of? So, yeah. I start the show with Tony Reid was right. There was no collusion. And I end the show with liberals really do just want to selectively have children. Like in a fucking Petri dish with right sex, hair, and eye color. And I'm fucking disgusted. You know, I don't know where we go from here. I've said it in numerous podcasts, and I know it's repetitive. But I don't know where we go from here. 
where the left is after these two years to a point they will believe no result from Mueller to where the right is. And I'm not going to be a hypocrite. And they came back with, he is Russian? His name is really Trumpisky? I wouldn't have believed it. Because we've sat through two years of bombshell, 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 collusion, 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 collusion. This is an epic day with Chirons and da-da, breaking news. Trump ate, r- Trump, Trump ate Russian dressing, like my skit alluded to. They're not going to stop. There are 25 investigations going on right now. Where the fuck do we go from here? Because if you think it ends now, you wait until the socialist Bernie Sanders or Kamala Harris becomes President of the United States for some horrible reason. Republicans are going to do the same thing. Because right now, this little sea change of 2018, it's going to get reversed. Polling already shows it. Everybody wants Omar off the fucking Foreign Affairs Committee. AOC is down to 30 fucking one. We just read it. Nancy Pelosi is a punk-ass bitch to these new people. Japahala is backing off impeachment because she doesn't want to play anymore because she knows her polls are going to shit. And then you got Tlaib, impeach the motherfucker. An Islamist also. We're going to go back to a Republican-held house. The Senate's probably going to extend in 2020. And maybe they get the White House. So do we just go into perpetual mode of the people vote for somebody and the opposing party tries to wipe it away? Now granted, if the Republicans try it in 2020, they won't get very far because the media will go against, oh, this is a witch hunt. I mean, literally, like I said, Chuck Todd said, you know, Obama had the crazy Benghazi stuff and IRS, but, you know, here we are with the president with 800 investigations and he's not even exonerated. Where do we go? The Christian bigotry, the outright sponsored by the media anti-Semitism and support of an Islamist, not a Muslim, an Islamist. It's a scary place. I'm not surprised. I I didn't think that the Mueller was going to come up with what they wanted. And when they didn't, I wasn't surprised that CNN and MSDNC and all the major... CBS had a major show last night pretty much just fucking said he's not exonerated because of one line. You can't exonerate somebody if they didn't commit a crime. Exoneration means we have proven within a shadow of a doubt the person didn't do it, and that's not what the Mueller report was done. They said they had no proof of collusion with anybody in the Trump sphere. You and I already knew that. Some hackers did some shit. The DNC used it to try to win an election. And when it failed, they did it to project and protect their person. I cannot count how many people are now saying, go after them. And a lot of people think that's wrong for Obama, for uh, Trump to go after the Obama administration. But there's a part of me that wants this all just to end and let's get something done. Let's move forward as a nation. Let's try to fucking heal. 
though I know it's never going to happen. But a larger part of me goes, yes, all of them need to be investigated. They need to be frog walked because they committed high crimes. They leak classified information. Hillary got away with having classified information in a fucking toilet server, for Christ's sake. Her people broke devices. They obstructed justice. I mean, we're talking Trump obstructed justice because he tweeted they shouldn't work with these people. Bill Clinton was proven to have told people, lie to the FBI. And all the crimes we're talking about, these people, the scandal ensnared was lying to the FBI. Bill Clinton lied to the FBI. Hillary and all her staff lied to the FBI. The fucking FBI lied to the American people when they used a dossier they knew to be fake to secure a warrant and illegally wiretap a presidential candidate. The opposing party wiretapped their opponent. That's some shit. But my final point before we close out, because I still haven't got under fucking three hours, I'm trying. Russia got everything they wanted. If their intent was to separate and divide Americas and to make the next president clouded and scandal, the United States media gave him that. Trump, for two years, has been under persecution, been claimed to be a Russian agent and not the legitimate president of the United States. So we've accomplished nothing in two years. The media gave Russia what they wanted. We are weakened in the world. We look like a fucking joke, as my wife said. So they won. Not as the liberals are saying, Russia won because we let Trump off. No, Russia won because you people used it to try to secure power. You tried to do a coup, and at the least, you were going to be able to make a president feckless for four years, not be able to accomplish anything because he was not legitimate, air quotes, and you'd be able to win back power. That's what you did. The media was complicit in doing it for you because they hated him. And we do look like a fucking joke right now. Two years, $30 million. You found nothing. But now we're still investigating shit. Really. I make this oath to you. I hate Marsha Blackburn, but I'll never vote for a Democrat again. Not saying I'm going to vote Republicans, because I still have a conscience. I just might not vote on that. If it comes up to two shitty candidates, I'm just not voting. But I will be voting for Donald J. Trump. Not because I want him to be president. Not because I support him. He's a jackass. But what was done to him makes what was done to Bush look like child's play. And by just saying that, 
That's your last two Republican presidents. That's what the media and the left have done to them. And then they prop up the Democrats to be perfect. Don't anybody ever say we don't have a biased media. Just don't say it to me. Because I might punch you in your throat. Figuratively, not literally. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends and send comments about the track by sending an email to foppodcast at gmail.com. Foppodcast gmail.com. You can get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Attic, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out the Facebook page at foppodcast, Podcast, and our Twitter page at foptonyreed. Our next podcast, I am shooting for Thursday, but if for some reason it doesn't work out, It'll be, let's just go Friday. We're going to go for 29 March, Year of Our Lord, 2019. That's what we're going to do. It'll be our last one. And once again, remember, we'll be dark next week. I head out um, Sunday for my 32nd anniversary. Oh, yeah. 32 years. And I won't be able to get a podcast done until the following Sunday. I'm not bringing a computer. I'm not going to be wired in. It is 100% non-political vacation. I promised my wife. Because I'm driving her a little crazy about this shit. We were watching <laughs> CNN when we woke up. CNN when we went to bed. She was pissed. I mean, I was just flipping in. Um, just so I could say, yeah, it, it's their fuckheads. Um, so, we'll get a show out um, April. What the hell is that? That would be um, April 7th. So, it'll be a while for a show. But Anyway, make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs. Tune in Friday for another exciting episode. And as always, thanks for listening. Take care. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count. <laughs>